Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year in live betting on all of it. Log in to BetUS.com or call 800-729-3887. That's 800-729-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with promo code JONES22. Customer service pros are ready to get your phone and social and online sports betting kickoff started now. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. You can also use the promo code JONES22 with crypto for a 200% bonus. That's BetUS.com. Man, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'm Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by TJ Eckers of KTUL Tulsa's Channel 8, as well as the Plugged In Golf Podcast, as we will talk to TJ with a look ahead to the PGA Championship and a little OU, OSU, and Oklahoma City Thunder talk with TJ when he joins us. In just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And we will also bring back a new old segment to the show as we will begin draft season. And we'll do our first draft of 2022 as we'll be drafting people named Joe or things or places named Joe, whatever it may be. And then uh, we'll also have our Tom Fuller Story of the Week at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges joins me right now as, Tom, uh, another week here in the books. And uh, we're counting down to the PGA Championship in Tulsa at this point. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited. It seems like the uh, energy is a building in Tulsa. We're just a week away now. Yeah, you ought to see what's, uh, you know, even driving past Southern Hills today, man, they got that damn thing locked down like a prison right now. Um, you know, it's you can't even really see into it. They got it all blacked out on the sides, and you can tell they're building, you know, they're finishing up building, like, the towers and, uh, you know, just the police presence. I mean, you know, the west side of the Southern Hills is not necessarily the, the nicest place in Tulsa either, so I'm sure security is high, but um you know it, there is a lot of energy building just living in Tulsa and being around and people talking about it uh it's gonna be a hell of a time you know for me I want to find the the events outside the course like you know I'm gonna be there all four days Thursday through Sunday but I want to find the after parties I, that's what I'm trying to figure out Tom that's my mission and, and you know me we talked about this last week where there's a will, there's a way, and I'm good about finding my way around to places, maybe places I'm not even supposed to be. But there's got to be some stuff going on that I don't think we know about that that I need to find my way in. There's definitely got to be some private events of some sort. Um, would be awesome, uh, you know. I don't obviously live too far away, so you better give me a call if you find one. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I, there's got to be some sort of event happening, you know, that that is associated with the PGA but not sponsored by the PGA, right? Right, right. Yeah. 
And and maybe not, you know, especially, you know, the players who don't make the cut, I'm sure they go on back home or do whatever. But, uh, you know, for being, being the PGA Championship, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of, you know, crazy parties. I, I don't know. You know, I, I, were there any in St. Louis when you were there? Yeah, there were. Uh, but we had worked so hard and such, and we had such late nights that, we barely did anything outside the event that weekend. Um, my workload this time is not going to be like it was back in 2018. So I'm going to have more energy to go out and do more things and such. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so ready for this. And, and, and you know, uh, here, here's a funny uh, thing for you. So Tom mentioned, you know, he, he wants me to, to try to bring him in some of these exclusive things. Uh, there is a, uh, a girl that we, uh, we both know, uh, out of respect, I, I won't say who it is, but, but Tom knows who I'm talking about. Uh, she's, she's a baddie, as they say, uh, that'd be a proper term. And, uh, and when she saw I was coming to town, you know, she's pretty excited and such. Uh, and, uh, I said like, Hey, uh, I'll, I'll have to bring you around to some of the, uh, the events and such that are going on. And, uh, she says to me, she says, well, uh, she said, I- I'd be honored and such, but are you sure you don't want to bring the boys? And, and uh, to which I responded, Tom, uh, I said, you'd be my first pick. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This girl's going to – she's going to shatter you, Jones. Tom <laughs> uh, D- knows what I'm talking about. Am I right uh, in describing she's a baddie? Uh, I mean <laughs> – She's all right, you know. I, you know, she could, you know. I wouldn't say it's the, it's one of the ones, you know. It's not. A, I don't know how to say. It. I'm just gonna just stop talking. I don't. I don't want to. I'm pleading the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, um, you know, I, I would love to bring Tom around, but if I have to choose you know, in the setting, you know, then uh, the, the choice is made ahead of time. So I'm, I'm not, I, I want to set the expectation ahead of time, Tom. I'd see, I didn't realize you were staying for all four days. Uh, I didn't realize I was either until a couple of days ago, actually. This was a last minute decision. Well, there you go. I'm sure you'll be, I guess you're coming, what day are you coming in? I'm coming in Wednesday night. Good deal. Well, yeah, we'll have to do it, you know. I'm sure – I don't – actually, I don't know what I have going next Wednesday night. But – because I suppose, you know, we'll be recording the show. I guess you'll be driving. So, yeah, we already mentioned we'll be recording the show a day earlier next week. Right. I'm going to be getting in late, you know, coming in straight from work and such. But uh, it's going to be a fun few days. And, you know, Tom, uh, for – for somebody that like yourself, that is a, uh, that knows Tulsa through and through, and, you know, you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly, and you've probably been in some of the sketchy parts of town too. Um, <laughs> where would you tell people to go that are coming into town for the, uh, the PGA here? Where, where's the, the spots to hit up when they're not at the golf course? Oh, it depends on where they're staying, you know, for sure. But obviously Valkyrie's got to be one. Um, you know, if I was going to just encourage someone from out of town to check out Tulsa, I'd say most definitely if you got the time, go check out the Philbrook Museum. 
I think that's got to be on there, you know, go downtown. There's just so many things to do downtown um, that I'm sure it'll be hopping. You know, really around Southern Hills, there's not really a whole lot, right? Um, you know, I, I think so many people will be coming from out of state. You know, when I went to Tampa for the Rams-Bucks playoff, divisional playoff game, you know, people were like, oh, are you from Cali? Or, and I was like, no, I'm from Oklahoma. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, St. Louis Rams. And they're like, whoa, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to Tulsa for the PGA, like so many people. Um, and, you know, Florida has casinos too, but there'll be some people that are coming from out of state that, that will go and probably go, probably stand at River Spirit, to be honest. Yeah. So, oh, there's, you know, there's a lot of things to do. There's, you know, I'm sure the gathering place will be stupid packed. Um, I'm just this whole area. I mean, you know, just the west side of Tulsa is going to be. I'm I'm sure it's going to be just a traffic nightmare. Have you heard the story about when uh, when Tiger was an amateur and he first came to Southern Hills for an event? The backstory. I, I have not heard that. So. Tiger, uh, he was he was like any 18-year-old out there. We were all at that age. Uh, he was trying to get into bars underage and uh, had a fake ID and such, I guess. And this is all allegedly. Uh, I don't want Tiger suing me. Um, but as the story goes, that Tiger comes to Tulsa underage, competing at, uh, at Southern Hills, and he kept getting shut out at bars because uh, people knew exactly who he was because he was already a superstar at that point. And they're like, hey, we know who you are. You're Tiger Woods and you're 18 years old. You're not even a professional golfer yet. So, you know, um, the, the lesson learned here, folks, uh, you know, ha have have an ID ready. And uh, Tom can tell you firsthand, uh, you know, that yours truly doesn't always remember his wallet. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the truth. And you know, for the, you know, Jones, maybe the people that would come that would forget their wallet or be underage, maybe, you know, there's always an option to buy yourself in, you know, as they say, money talks. <laughs> it's true. Uh, we won't say how we know that, but, you know, that bring extra cash if you forget your ID and that might help, might, uh, <laughs> on that front there. Now, here's what I wonder, too. We were talking about this in our group chat among our friends the other day. Where do you think, like, the big wigs are staying? I mean, because you got I, – I feel like there's probably tiers of this, Tom. You know, you have your your top golfers like, you know, Tiger and Phil and company who probably don't even want to be around other golfers, I would think. I would think they probably, like, have houses rented out or whatever for them and their families and and, you know, that they're away from everyone else. And then I think there's, like, the group of – good golfers that are in like the super nice hotels like the Mayo or the ambassador. And then there's like the Joe Bucks and the Scott Van Pelts and the Jim Nances of the world that are probably staying at, you know, the, the, the Hilton or the, uh, the Hyatt downtown. I, I think that's kind of what your, your categories. If I was wanting to stake out though, to try to meet the most people I can, I'd probably say you, you, your best bet is probably to stake out the mail. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably, yeah, I would, I would say that's probably it. 
that or you know you mentioned maybe like a, a house for rent you know somewhere near southern hills or you know maybe there's a, a house on the golf course that you know could be rented out um you know if i had money and was living on southern hills uh you know and was a you know just a uh, lover of golf like that they said well you know we got such and such wants to rent out your house for this much money to stay here this weekend uh and you know we'll give you this much money and put you up in a hotel i'd say be my guest i'd say that works perfect for me as long as i get to meet them at least shake their hand to know who's staying in my house i'd say yep that'll work for me that you know i'm i don't i don't think honestly there are um People maybe going to stay at River Spirit. They they do have nice. They have a few nice rooms, uh, but everything else is you know. I, I mean, no knock on River Spirit here. I mean, that's the casino that's probably won me the most money. To be honest with you, um, shout out Creek. But that that uh, pool at the the Margaritaville is pretty pretty popping. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty popping. But you know, like in terms of that, the everyday person can afford uh of river spirit it's nothing like too too fancy now they do have some really nice rooms at the hard rock that's all the way in katusa almost right uh, at that point you know you have osage casino which they say it's the downtown one no that it's like 15 minutes outside of downtown and i don't think they have like any crazy nice rooms um but you know some of these players might I might choose those, but you're absolutely right. You're going to go to the De- Deco District downtown towards the Mayo. Any of those hotels down there, a lot of those hotels all have valet. Um, you know, that's going to be the spot, I would assume. Right. You know, I know that most people aren't a fan of his, and, you know, I, I also fall in that boat. I feel like the guy that would have the most fun in Tulsa isn't even going to be there. I think Bryson DeChambeau would like live it up in downtown Tulsa, like on, on Friday night or something. I could see that. I could see him going out and, and, and getting drunk with the locals, (laughs) you know, and I don't, I don't know how many, you know, local Tulsa people, maybe I'm, uh, you know, not assuming, but, you know, you want to talk about like go out in downtown and, and party at the bigger bars and like the Blue Dome district, even. Uh, you know, no one's really going to like think of, you know, no, like Bryson DeChambeau. How many people do you think would recognize him in a bar setting at night? Uh, not many. I think more than you think because of the people coming from out of town for it. That's true. But I guess if, if the PGA wasn't this weekend, he just decided to take a weekend and and be in Tulsa, I don't think many people would just outright recognize him. Right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. And that several, you know, there's I guess if the PGA, you know, wasn't in town and I was out downtown at bars, there there would be a handful of people, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily take a second look at someone and I wouldn't be like, oh, like, you know, Rory McRoy, that he's pretty you know, his features. Dustin are pretty- Johnson would look no different than any Joe Schmill. Right, right. You know, some of these, you know, without being features, you wouldn't know. Now, of course, like Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, you know, you're going to know those people. Oh, like well, Phil Phil's Mickelson- going to be at the casino this weekend. 
Yeah, I mean, he would stick out like uh, honestly. <laughs> like, uh, after losing $40 million the last four years in gambling, I wonder how much uh, at all these casinos Phil's going to lose this weekend in Tulsa. It'd be interesting. I might have to go to the casino and <laughs> sit down and see if he, I see him stroll through. <laughs> you know, like Ricky Fowler, I would notice. If – if Phil is down like 10 shots and has no chance, you better believe he's going to be at one of those casinos Saturday night. Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and why not? Especially, you know, at River Spirit, River Spirit being so close. Um, you know, you know, there's, I, I bet there is some sort of event. Um, you know, maybe like a, Maybe they got with the PGA and did like a fan package of some sort. I have no clue. Um, but there's got to be some sort of event going on. Oh, man. Um, uh, another thing uh, we mentioned, you know, as far as like this, the scene and such in Tulsa, um, I think at, at Valkyrie, I, I would guess that could be a scene for like Jim Nance or – or Scott Van Pelt. I could I could see them in Valkyrie. Oh, 100%. I mean, Scott Van Pelt, I could see him sipping a nice whiskey sitting down and, <laughs> and kicking it big. I think Van Peasy would be a hell of a time. I, I think he'd be a lot more entertained than anybody realizes. I mean, I would rather meet Scott Van Pelt than a lot of these golfers. The guy that's coming to town that I think is going to be a life of the party is Marty Smith. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, kind of he's already kind of like that. I mean, he does NASCAR. And I'm not saying this because he does NASCAR, but he's just kind of already has the Oklahoma values maybe in him. Like, he already seen Marty Smith could move to Oklahoma tomorrow and he'd fit right in. Oh, I mean, yeah, he'll be. He'll find somewhere to go fishing or something during this week. Oh, yeah. Like go up to Grand Lake or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's got him written all over it. Like, if if you heard him talk and you were just in a convenience store, you wouldn't even think anything of it, <laughs> which is great. I mean, because he, I think the most recent time he went to Stillwater for something, and he was, like, up in the Eskimo Joes kicking it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marty, we got to get him to Kane's ballroom. Has he talked about Kane? Uh, well, I mean, like. You know, it's it's Tulsa's honky tonk. You know, I mean, I feel like he'd belong. That is true. I bet he, I bet he knows what it is. You know, some people, you know, we. He's a big music guy. He and Eric Church are best friends. There, see, there you go. So yeah, he he knows exactly what Keynes is. But you know, you, you talk to some people, and you know, we, uh, you know, Tulsans love to talk about Keynes, and Keynes is great. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Um, for a show, but you know, I, I feel like we like love to talk about you know canes, historic canes, and you know, to some people, I don't think they would even. They'd be like, "Well, it's just a big old music venue," is all. But you know, they don't understand it. But um, you know, hell, the Bob Dylan Museum opened up. You got the Woody Guthrie Center. Um, you know, the Phil Brooks got something going on um, uh, next week. And then this summer they have, I guess, Frida Kahlo is like one of the biggest Mexican-inspired art um, that I guess is supposed to get a bunch of people in Tulsa. So with all the stuff going on, Jones, right now, you know, they they 
a lot of Tulsa people hate to hear it. Like, well, we're, we're the the new Austin or the new smaller, new hip place. Um, but I really, in terms of arts and like cultural things, Tulsa's on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a good time to be in Tulsa. Uh, I love T-Town. I was just there this past weekend and going back next weekend for the PGA. So certainly going to be a lot of fun. We'll be all over it here on the Jones Report next week from the uh, PGA Championship. And uh, we'll have more on the PGA when we're going to be joined by T.J. Eckerts of uh, KTOL Tulsa Channel 8 in uh, just a few moments from right now. In the meantime, let's go ahead and uh, talk about the NBA playoffs as Things stand right now. Let's uh, start in the Western Conference, the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Grizzlies with a dominating win on Wednesday night, 134-95. to And uh, Golden State leads that series three games to two. Uh, the Grizzlies without John Morant for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, Tom, I'm not very concerned at all about the Warriors giving one up there in uh, game number five and letting this series extend another game. Uh, no no job. There's no way that Memphis is going to win three in a row here. Golden State, uh, I still have winning this series. I know people are high on Golden State, and you know the, the folks out West have them as the favorites to win the championship, but uh, I, I still like Phoenix more than I do uh, Golden State personally. Yeah, and, and, you know, Golden State, they took that L on Wednesday night, and – uh, not in a very good fashion. I mean, it was a blowout, but I think they understood that, you know, to try and, you know, waste a bunch of energy to try to win an elimination game in, in Memphis uh, wasn't maybe their, uh, you know, maybe wasn't maybe their, their forte or, you know, to save up all that energy to do, you know, to get, I guess, to get that dub, no pun intended, but uh, they'll be fine. But, you know, Seeing how Phoenix has played, I you know with Booker back, I I, I don't think that anyone's going to uh, upset Phoenix. No, I don't I don't think so either. Um, you know Booker uh, is playing uh, playing well too. We'll get to that series in just a minute. But as far as this uh, Warriors thing goes, um, you know, we, we, we saw the suspension with Jerry Mon and the way that he responded and such. Um, you know, I know that they didn't look great in that loss they had to Memphis. But before then, I felt like, Tom, that this Golden State team was playing with an edge, like a chip on their shoulder of some sorts. There's an, there's an attitude about this Golden State team that we haven't seen, I feel like, in a couple of years. Yeah, and they still kind of have that, you know, and it, it was – in, in the first series, they it really showed, and it was they were you know obvious, you know blew out the Nuggets. It was it was incredible to watch. But um, you know now facing this Memphis team, yeah, Memphis has still got some character too, and and we've seen it you know really across in in every series in in the second round, just chippiness all around. I mean, uh, you know all you know we we saw it with Jaw and Draymond. You know, just so many other players, just just a lot of um, attitude out there, right? Um, and and so you know that this Grizzlies team was going to fight uh, now, even without Jaw. But you know, you'd say, well, they don't have Jaw, they don't have his chance. Well, you you look at the record without Jaw, and it was kind of jaw dropping. 
um, how good they were able to still be without John Moran. And so maybe even play a different way. So, you know, no John Moran on, on Wednesday night. It didn't obviously stop the Grizzlies from blowing out the Warriors. So, um, Jones, I mean, you know as well as I do, we've already said it, there's no way this Grizzlies team wins three straight. But hell of a fight. I mean, Grizzlies are going to be a, a tough out from here on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, with, with Memphis, uh, without Jod, you know, I, I'm thinking, Tom, if if he was there and the way that they played, you know, in should have won game four and, you know, let that one slip away, the way they dominated game five, um, I can't help but think that Memphis wins this series if, if Jod Morant's healthy. Yeah, maybe, you know, I guess if he was all the way healthy because he was already kind of banged up. But, uh, you know, they they have the potential to do it. And, and, you know, they let a game slip away. You know, they got down 3-1. The series would have been tied 2-2. We would be talking about a completely different type of series. Um, So, yeah, if he's all the way healthy and, and, you know, good to go. And I don't know how much Dylan Brooks being out affected it. Um, but you know, that being said, a healthy jaw changes its series e- even that much, um, to, to maybe give Memphis an edge to, to actually win this. Yeah. Uh, pl- playing with a little extra to make up for not having uh John Morant. I could see that. Um, uh, you, you make a good point there. Um, with, with golden States, uh, you know, as, as they're moving towards, uh, you know, this, this Western conference final and such, um, who, who's the guy you think that, that needs to, to step up for this team? Who, who do we need to see more out of for, for Golden State, you think? Man, that's, that's so tough. Cause it's, you know, it's, they're, they're kind of a, uh, a different, different player every night type situation where, you know, maybe if Steph doesn't have the best of nights that a clay, you know, here recently clay Thompson and, you know, Jordan Poole, Draymond has, you know, obviously given them some sort of life, even just with being, you know, you know, I guess his, his energy level in terms of just anger-filled rage being out there. Um, he's still a great defender, still a great player. He's smart. Um, so, you know, ever, all that being said, I don't know if there's like one certain player for Golden State that, that may need to just step up out of nowhere. Um, I, I think a lot of it is as long as they have that one person that steps up each night, uh, that they'll be, that they'll be just fine. I mean, they just have so many different ways they can beat you. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Uh, the, uh, Suns and the Mavs, uh, the Suns lead that series three games to two after a 30 point win on Tuesday nights. And now the series returns to Dallas, uh, you know, later this week uh, with a do-or-die situation for the Mavs here. And, uh, Tom, you know, I mean, Luca is carrying this team on his back. Uh, you know, he's played fantastic this series, but, I mean, he's just simply not getting any help. You know, Jalen Brunson was terrific in that first round, but uh, he hasn't been the player since he had that breakout game. No, and, and you know, after that, I think, maybe they did some different things to key in on him. Um, you know, he wasn't one of those players that you think would have a game like that or one of those, you know, players that 
you would think would be able to beat you in that way. I, I still think he's, he's capable of that. Um, and, and, you know, Phoenix, I think has, have, have done some things to, to key in, you know, hell, Monty Williams wins the coach of the year world, right, rightfully so. Um, you know, they haven't made it this far without some, you know, having to make some adjustments. Um, and then you have, you know, a leader like Chris Paul on the team who's been around and is, is kind of like a player coach. So I, I think they've been able to neutralize him pretty well after that. Um, and, and it's obviously making a difference. Yeah, it has. And uh, in Phoenix's case, uh, at this point, you know, you, they get the 110-80 win we mentioned uh, on uh, Tuesday night. And Devin Booker was terrific with uh, 28 points in uh, that performance. Chris Paul with just seven points. And Chris Paul was bad the uh, night uh, – the, uh, the game before on Sunday when they lost – uh, there in Dallas, uh, Tom, uh, Chris Paul here, not playing great the last couple of games, had that scuffle with the fans and, and all that here. Is there a reason to be concerned, uh, if you're Phoenix about Chris Paul's lack of performance the last two games? No, I don't think so too, just because he, he shows out when it matters. I mean, in, in the Pelicans series against the Pelicans, he just, you know, there was a couple of fourth quarters where he just went off and took the game over. Um, and, and, you know, they needed that because Booker was out at the time. So, you know, Chris Paul still a very smart player, maybe having a couple of bad games, I don't think is going to hurt Phoenix at all. Uh, now that might hurt them. I, you know, would assume the series would be Phoenix and, and Golden State for the Western Conference Finals. Now, you know, obviously – it takes a lot to get to the finals and to win the finals. And I think Phoenix knows that. So uh, I would expect Chris Paul to improve his play. Um, if, you know, on the chance that they make it to Western conference finals, which being a game away, I think it's, I feel safe saying that. Yeah. Um, now that, that incident that occurred uh, there were, you had the, the fans that were, uh, you know, kicked out for unwanted hugging and they were suspended for the entire year. That incident, Tom, you know, I, I look at it twofold. It does come off kind of soft that we're kicking out fans and making them look like bad guys for unwanted hugs, whatever, and the way that Chris Paul reacted. And I understand it's his family and such, but it was a bit of an overreaction. On the flip side, though, too, I understand that, you know, you, you don't want to be touched by strangers. I mean, you could argue any hug for that matters, an unwanted hug. Uh, I mean, really, uh, you know, I mean, to, to me, I, I, I did feel like it, it was kind of overblown, though, that 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 uh, whole scenario. Just a bit. And I don't know if, if to what extent at the time Chris Paul knew what was going on. You know, I think maybe it's because at the beginning, it sounded like, you know, somebody was like trying to hurt his mom or like, being a girl like physical with his mom and and sorry i assume that he would be you know kind of worried and thinking you know what's going on and you know this is not the first time that we've had you know fans kind of act a fool or kind of maybe overstep a boundary i mean people are brave you know um but you know i can see it from his mom's aspect too it's like okay well you're you're not even a phoenix fan you're a Dallas fan and just, I don't know, maybe looking for some clout. I don't know. Um, you know, at that point, that person is essentially rooting against your son uh, by way of rooting for the Mavericks. 
So, you know, I, I just think it is a little overblown, but people do need to, uh, these fans, these fans are getting kind of out of hand. I mean, we've had the, the hugging incident. We've had the crazy ass lady trying to glue herself to the floor. Another lady trying to chain herself to the goalpost. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it, just the fans to me are getting a little, I wouldn't, I, I've been very close several times to uh, being courtside at an NBA game. Um, and I've been trashed a few of those times, um, having just as many drinks as I could stand. And I'd never once would have thought about running out on the court or it just, I don't know, making an ass out of myself in a public setting like that. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, especially you don't want to be kicked out so you can't come back. But I mean, I mean, some people are just the, the amount of bravery some people show and doing stupid shit just amazes me. I think you're you know, right. like, like John at the players are cussing out the players going up and down. Now, you know, I've, I've yelled, you know, like I, I think one time um, when I was in San Antonio and, and this is when Anthony Davis is still on the Pelicans, he fouled out and I yelled at him and was like, oh, like sit your ass down. I guess it is he's walking like he's walking to the bench by me. Uh, just whatever, you know, that's to be expected. Um, and I wasn't the only one doing it, but uh, and there was another player for the yeah, I guess he was on the Pelicans too. Uh, who was it? Uh, Okafor, um, who had played, grew up in Bartlesville, and he came over and talked to me. And so that was kind of cool. But I was never, you know, like, I guess, Jones, and, and tell me if you think the same thing. Some of these fans are just getting downright disrespectful on just a personal level. Um, and yeah, just think I mean, it was bad when we first brought fans back after the pandemic. You know, they were so unruly and so out of it. I thought things had gotten better, but uh, I guess not, uh, as far as that goes. But yeah, things are getting crazy there. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference. We will not forget the Miami Heat this time. Uh, right. we'll start with the Heat with the Eastern Conference. Uh, 120 to 85 win over the uh, 76ers, dominating performance the other night. And uh, they're up 3-2 in that series. The Heat continue to play well. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler and, and, and company, uh, you know, have played so good collectively as a team uh, throughout this series. I mean, so deep. And Eric Spolster doing a great job here. And, you know, I, I would argue, Tom, that in this series with Philly, they're not the more talented team. I think Philly's more talented than Miami. But coaching-wise, as you and I have said over and over again, uh, they have one of the best coaches in the NBA. And Eric Spolster, I would take miles above Doc Rivers, and he's coaching the hell out of Doc Rivers right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and I agree, too. You, you said it yourself that, you know, talent-wise, Philly's, Philly's got it. I mean, you have James Harden, Joel Embiid. Um, two players who, you know, on paper, I'm taking over Jimmy Butler. And then who's more talented on that heat team than Jimmy Butler? You could argue nobody. Um, I mean, they're doing more with less, you know. It's uh, Miami Heat's very much right now the, the Charmin Ultra of, of uh, the NBA. I mean, they're, they're doing way more 
with way less than anybody else is still in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's been terrific what we're seeing from uh, this uh, Miami Heat team to this point. And, um, you know, w- with them, kind of like what we were talking about with, with Golden State is it's a different player every night. You know, it's Jimmy Butler one night. It's Victor Oladipo. It's Tyler Hero, P.J. Tucker, um, you know, Bam uh, Adebayo. You know I mean? Like, it, yeah. this, this is a good collective unit. I mean, this is uh, – it, it is refreshing. We, talked about, we talk about a lot with the Suns, but I feel like the same could be said with the Heat. It's refreshing to see that team basketball still works in this league. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, uh, the you know, a great coach, you know, is still a, is still a thing in, in the NBA. I mean, like we said, I mean, Eric Spolstra, there, there's not another – I mean, maybe Steve Kerr could get out what Eric Spolstra is getting out now. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't want to – Monty Williams great coach and he just won coach of the year. And, uh, you know, there, you got a lot to say a lot about Monty Williams, but if I had to pick between Monty Williams and Eric Spolstra, I don't think it's unfair to say I would take Eric Spolstra in a heartbeat. Um, maybe the only other coach that could left in the playoffs that I would maybe take over would be Steve Kerr. Um, but you could argue that that Steve Kerr has a lot to work with compared to Eric Spolstra. You know, I, I think Eric Spolstra got a lot of undue disrespect because of, you know, LeBron being there and, and Bosch and, and Wade um, and that era of things. But he's really is just his consistency and continuity um, in Miami, I think, is is due some respect that he's not getting. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, on the, uh, the Sixers front, um, Tom, is it fair to put this all on James Harden? I mean, Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's been so good. And I know that he dealt with the injuries and such, but I, I feel like that you can't put anything on Joel that he's done his part that James Harden doesn't look like the MVP player we saw three years ago. No, he doesn't. And, and he doesn't, he looks like a shell of his former self. We haven't, you know, there hasn't been any classic crazy James Harden games like there was when he was in Houston. Um, I mean, just at all. Uh, you know, this, this has been just a, a shell of his former self, and I don't know what what he needs to do to get back to that or if he's, you know, if he's just done with it. Um, you know, a lot of people, Billy says he probably needs to go see Dr. Sharon uh, from Ted Lasso. It sounds like he's got a case of the yips. Yeah, um, he might need to see a, a weight loss doctor too. I mean, it wouldn't help or hurt him to get in shape a little bit at the same time, you know I mean? got all those Philly cheese sticks in there. What's a man to do? <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, we talk about, you know, just the whole process, uh, pun intended there, about Philly. Something about it, tell me if I'm wrong. You know, you have Ben Simmons. You, you should, you know, Ben Simmons is just being a little bitch anyway. But, you know, just the whole thing, you get all these players, you get, you know, if it doesn't work out with Ben Simmons, well, you end up getting James Harden as a return and, and some other key pieces. You have Joel Embiid. Uh, I mean, they have the players. They have a, a good coach. Not the best coach, but not a bad one either. Uh, some about it's like, is there a curse in Philly? 
some, I feel like the 76ers have tried everything and just nothing works out for them. I mean, sure, they're in the second round of the playoffs and, you know, it's better than the trust the process Brett Brown Sixers, but you would expect that with all the picks and things that have come their way. But Jones, tell me if I'm wrong. I just don't think this is ever going to work out for 76ers ever. They feel cursed. It feels like it's not meant to be, you know? I mean, right. I mean, no one's taking Philly. No, no. And what did you and I say before this whole blouse began? That Philadelphia was uh, as talented as anybody. I mean, if they played to their liking of Joel at center and Harden playing an elite level at guard, they'd be unstoppable. That you know, add the bodies to defend those guys, but they haven't played through their potential. And I think a lot of that falls on Doc Rivers personally, uh, you know, when it's all said and done there. Um, the other series in the uh, Eastern Conference, the uh, Bucks and the Celtics, the Bucks win a fantastic game five as they take a 3-2 series lead. And uh, I-, I was looking at the odds uh, thir- on a Wednesday morning, and the Bucks' odds to win the championship were like the fifth highest, I think at plus 750. And I said to one of my coworkers, like, are you kidding me? That's incredible value. The Bucs aren't out of this. They're the defending champs. Who's counting the Bucs out right now? This may, That's a great value buy right now. Put, put money down on the Bucs at this point. Here they are taking on a tough Celtics team. I think that they're going to come through out of this series – and, you know, they'll have a very good series with the Heat that I could see going either way. Um, what are people doing right off this Bucks team so fast? I mean, what, what, what did they do wrong here? I mean, they're a good team that's playing a hell of a team against the Celtics. I mean, I have no problem with them going six or seven games here. I mean, this is a, a back-and-forth series. I, I give the edge to the Bucs, but, I mean, my goodness, for people to ride off the defending champs so fast, what were they thinking, Tom? Yeah, I don't know. And it, this is this has actually been, you know, the Bucks celtics series has been everything that we thought that even a, maybe a Nets-Celtics series could have been. And um, I don't know if the Celtics have met their match. I mean – Pretty big pivotal game five. I, I think I just saw it come up on the screen that Celtics were outscored thirty-three to twenty-one in the fourth quarter. Um, you know you can't you can't let that happen. Um, you know when you're a team like as good as the Celtics can be, you can't let that happen. So I'll be interested to see. I think this has every bit of game seven written all over it. Um, so, but yeah, to ride off the Bucks in that way is very shocking. One, because they are the defending champs. And, and two, when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, then kind of anything can happen. I mean, he's just that type of a player. Um, he can just take over the game and just sheer athletic ability. So, you know, I still think the Celtics have a good shot. Um, you know, I, but, you know, you mentioned it, the Bucks. you know, I, I'd like to – I like how the Bucks would end up mashing up with Miami, to be honest with you. And, and I think if they can go ahead and, and beat uh, the Celtics here, either in game six or seven, that I, I, I would probably favor the Bucs over Miami just because of, of how I think they would match up. Um, could be wrong, but, you know, Mike Budenholzer is a good coach too. Not maybe as good as Eric Spolster, maybe doesn't have the same resume, um, but Budenholzer did come from the Popovich tree, so – you know, respect where it's due. Um, I agree with you there. They should um, 
you know, should be more respected as defending champs than they are. Yeah. Um, that finished a game five the other night when Drew Holiday just swiped the ball away from Marcus Smart, the uh, defensive player of the year of Marcus Smart. Um, he just clowned him, didn't he? I mean, that was one where, you know, Marcus is the defensive player of the year, but it, it felt like that Drew Holiday was his daddy at that moment. I mean, yeah, Drew Holiday's no slouch on defense either, though. And and I feel like Drew Holiday's kind of hopped around just a little bit. But um, overall, I mean, I would love if, you know, being a Spurs fan, I'd love to have Drew Holiday in San Antonio. Um, he's, you know, he's obviously overshadowed just a little bit. I mean, if you if you play in Milwaukee, you're obviously going to be overshadowed by, by Giannis. That's just how the cookie crumbles up there. But um, – he was every bit as important to their championship run last season as young was. So um, it was a great play by him. And it, it really could be a series changer, especially, you know, if Celtics would have won that game five. I mean, I forget the percentage of whoever wins a two, two series tied game five usually goes on to win. Yeah. Um, real quick, last thing on the NBA, and then we'll bring in TJ here. Uh, Tom, Tell me this, uh, the MVP, it uh, goes to Jokic for the second straight year, and he receives the least amount of first-place votes since Steve Nash won it the second time round and uh, edges out Joel Embiid. And, you know, you, you and I, we both like Jokic, but I feel like that the playoffs showed that his numbers were inflated a bit with the bad competition, how well he played against bad teams and that he didn't step up against the better teams in the playoffs. That's kind of what that showed. Um, but this is a regular season award. It is not a postseason award. And, and I, it infuriates me when I hear folks say that, you know, hey, they need to wait till after the season, you know, to, or, you know, let the playoffs play out to, to give out the MVP. I'm like, you idiots, you dumbasses out there. This is a regular season award. It's not a postseason award. That's the finals MVP. That's what that award's for. This is a regular season award. And, you know, I would have been fine with Jokic or Embiid either one. I think you could have made a very good case for either guy. I am not torn apart. It does. I'm not losing sleep that it didn't go to Embiid. I could have seen a case for either one. And, and to be honest, the NBA MVP, um, you know, it's, it's one of the most irrelevant awards out there, in all honesty. I mean, Jordan, LeBron, all these guys um, didn't win nearly as many MVPs as they should have. I mean, you got too many of these analytic nerd, you know, blogger boy media writers that vote on this thing, and it's like they don't even watch the games. So, you know, I, I could care less about the MVP. I'm not going to lose sleep over – Jokic getting it. I like Jokic. Uh, I would have been fine with him or Embiid either one, but they ultimately didn't go Jokic. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I like Jokic a lot, and and I think it's pretty cool how far down he was drafted. Um, oh, yeah, he was picked during a Taco Bell commercial. Right, yeah. I mean, that's a cool little storyline of that. But, you know, I, I think it could have went to Embiid as well. And, you know, if I, had to, if I was my pick, I would have picked Joel Embiid. Um, but it sounded like it was pretty close in terms of voting. Um, you know, to win back-to-back -back MVPs is, you know, to be fair, 
shades of Steve Nash. I didn't know that's no knock on Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a great player, but there was just, you know, not been any overwhelming, you know, you know, that I feel like when it gets down to like two big men, you know, and it's funny that it, it falls that way between Jogic and Embiid because we're such just a nowadays in the NBA, it's just a, such a, a guard heavy league in terms of shooting ability and how far can you shoot beyond the three point line um, and flashy plays more so much about flashy passes and plays, maybe even than than just being a physical presence down low and, and Duncan. So, uh, you know, it's, it's weird to see um, two big men go for the MVP. Like I said, one of such a guard driven league, but I, I think it could have went either way. I think they're both great players and, Though, to be fair, um, to both, I don't think 76ers would be in the playoffs without Joel Embiid. And I don't think I, – I, I think the uh, the Denver Nuggets would be uh, bottom barrel without Jokic, though. Right, right. Uh, I, I think you make a good point there. Uh, coming up next, TJ Eckert going to join us. We'll talk more about the PGA Championship, a little thunder and – OU and OSU talk as well when TJ stops by. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our uh, debut segment, uh, the rebirth of our draft season. We're going to draft the best Joes out there. And uh, we'll have our Big 12 breakdown, Tom Fullery Story of the Week. All that and more as we continue. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week, making his debut on the show, is KTUL Tulsa's Channel 8 Sports Director and host of the Plugged In Golf Podcast. It is TJ Eckert who joins us for the very first time. TJ, it is a pleasure talking to you, man. Can't believe it took this long, but glad to have you here, man. Yeah, happy to be on here, Tyler. Always good talking to a uh, fellow Tulsa. Yes. And, you know, I got to tell you, TJ, you know, I'm always proud to tell people I'm from Tulsa. You know, that's one of the First things that comes up in conversation when I meet new folks and such is, you know, tell them I'm from Tulsa. And this next week in particular is such a big week for, you know, my hometown and our city and such with uh, hosting the uh, PGA Championship first major at uh, Southern Hills in over a decade plus now. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and being a golf fan, you mentioned the plug bike, the golf podcast we do, lots of fun there. Uh, being a big golf fan and, and Tulsa person as well, it's just such a cool thing. 07, I was 14 when Tiger won here and was there as a fan. And then now at 2022, next week, I'll be covering it as the sports director of the TV station in my hometown. So kind of full circle for me, but yeah, we're fired up. I mean, this is the, the course looks awesome. The preparation has been great. And uh, yeah, we, there's literally everything is, is all systems go right now for, for the PGA. Yeah, TJ, you know, I remember being back in uh, 2018 when uh, St. Louis had it at Bell Reeve and did a great job with that. And I was out there covering that and, uh, you know, saw the stuff about, you know, hey, it's coming to Southern Hills, but we didn't have a date by then yet. And it was looking more like 2030 back then. And then thanks, change and such. And uh, Southern Hills had to put this on pretty fast. But uh, expectation is that they'll do a great job on this short notice here. Yeah, the good thing, Tyler, is that we kind of had a test run last year with the senior PGA hosting that uh, 2021, actually less than a year ago now, because it was at the end of May, and this PGA is kind of three weeks into May. So they've had less than a year between the senior PGA and the 22, 
2022 PGA Championship. And so it was great having that, talking with officials here with PGA of America, because they kind of got a sense of how things would work here at Southern Hills. It's the first time they've hosted since the restoration by Gil Hance. So there's lots of changes from 07. And so they kind of got an idea of how the logistics would work out at Southern Hills. They kind of got an idea of fan movement in terms of getting them to the course, getting them off the course, getting them around the course. And so I think this is going to be one of the more organized, better ran championships that we've seen in a while, just because they had that test run last year. They got to throw out the stuff that didn't work. They got to keep the stuff that did. And so honestly, I expect this to be really smooth and, as long as there's no tornado warnings, I think everything should be okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, fingers crossed. And in yeah. time, uh, you get a sporting event in Oklahoma, that's uh, certainly a chance. Um, TJ, let, let me ask you, for, for folks that, that may not know, what, what went into the course design? What's different about Southern Hills now, comparably speaking to 07 when uh, they last hosted and the renovations that went on? Yeah, so – 07 was really, they made some changes even going into that PGA championship as well. And a lot of the changes that were made over the years, the course was open in the thirties, Perry Maxwell designed its beautiful golf course. And, and the things that have changed in those 70 years leading up to 07 was all things, I think, to kind of bring major championship golf to Tulsa. And so they added trees, they made the course longer. They did a lot of things with the bunkering systems. And so Gil Hans is the guy who came in and they're, they call it a restoration. They don't like calling it a renovation because they didn't need to renovate it. They just needed to restore it is basically how they portrayed it. And so we'll get, when Gil Hans came in, they, they took old photos, aerial photos from when the course was first built and tried their best to match up what Perry Maxwell did all whatever 70, 80 years ago. And so the bunkering looks completely different. I know you're from Tulsa, but people who aren't, if you have been to Southern Hills in the past, they have those perfect saucer circle shaped bunkers. Mm-hmm. Those are gone. They're now rugged shape. They, they're kind of uh, fitting to the land, if you will. They took out a lot of in, in the trees. So you can see a lot more of the golf course wherever you're standing on the golf course. They added some length, of course, to, to fit the modern day golfer, move some bunkers around. But ultimately, the, what they did was they brought it back to what the course was designed to be. And it was open and free flowing. They opened up creeks again. So really, honestly, what they did is brought it back to what it was meant to be back in the 30s and 40s. And it it looks great. Everybody that's came through and played practice rounds has raved about it. Uh, The members love it, which I think was probably their first priority was to make sure the membership enjoyed the golf course they were playing. But everybody that we've talked to really enjoys the layout and enjoys what's been done. And I think, honestly, Tyler, it sets Tulsa up for huge success going forward, bringing major championships back. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, historically speaking, too, when we've seen Tulsa host these major championships, whether it was the U.S. Open or the PGA, the PGA, of course, used to be in August, the U.S. Open, of course, in June. I know it's it's Oklahoma, so it's still going to be warm, but much better setting to be in the middle of May as opposed to what we're typically seeing when we've had major championships there at Southern Hills. It will continue, I think, to bring people back major championship wise because of the schedule move to this late May setting, because uh, I, Nick Faldo talked today uh, in a zoom interview with, with Jim Nance and the CBS crew. And I asked him because he made his PGA championship debut in 1982 at Southern Hills. And now 2022, he's returning as an analyst of 40 years. But I asked him about that. And he said, the one thing he remembered from 82 was how hot it was. And everybody when asked about 07, when they're asked about 07, they say how hot it was. You know, nobody ever talks about how great the course was or, 
you know, Tiger won in 07, thankfully, so we have someone to talk about. But nobody talks about Retief Goosen winning in 2001. They talk about how hot it was in June. So hopefully this move will make the focus more on the golf as opposed to the weather because it's a great field. I mean, great storylines coming in. And I think long-term, as you mentioned, this move to May really helps Tulsa because guys won't have to complain so much about it being hot. Now, that being said, it could still be a hundred degrees. We don't, you don't, you know, blink in Oklahoma and the weather changes. So it could, it could be different, but it's definitely better set. I think than having it in the middle of August. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right about that. We're joined by TJ Eckert of KTL Tulsa's channel eight and the plugged in golf podcast here on the Jones report this week. And uh, TJ, you mentioned the storylines got to start with tiger, obviously, uh, made his uh, return there at the Masters, made the cut there. Now that he's got one major under his belt, what's the expectation you think for Tiger heading into Southern Hills where he's had success at before? Yeah, of course, when in 07, like we were talking about, played well in 2001. Honestly, Tyler, I've, I've learned, and being a Tiger fan, it's kind of hard for me to separate my fandom, but I've learned covering Tiger is you don't, you don't be surprised by anything that he does, right? No. I mean, everybody was, everybody was shocked that he came back to the Masters in April as soon as he did, he looked pretty good playing his health held up for the most part. And so expectations wise for tiger, this course sets up for the game that he, we are accustomed to seeing him playing in terms of being a really good ball striker. Uh, they call Southern Hills a second shot golf course. So, you know, guys who hit it 340 or whatever, that's great, but you got to be able to place the ball on the green hitting to certain spots on the green at Southern Hills is so important. It's similar to Augusta national and the masters in that sense. And so Tiger's had success here because he is a great ball striker. And so as long as his health holds up, I would expect him to most likely make the cut. And from there, it's anybody's guess. You can't to say, I would be surprised if he wins is, is, is not true because I just don't get surprised anymore by anything this guy does. And so I would say a good week for him would be making the cut still uh, just because of his health and the fact he hasn't played a whole lot and it's a major championship. But uh, for me, my expectation would be that he finishes, you know, somewhere top 30. Like, that would be a great week for him, I think. You know, one of the things, too, that, that's always fascinating to me is uh, when, when you see Tiger play, the crowd that is around him, if you're going to Southern Hills next week and this is the first time you've seen Tiger play, this, that, the, the people watching is a sight to behold in itself. I mean, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in any other sport. Guy's a rock star. I mean, he came in a couple of weeks ago, and I mean, I, I added to it. I I was at the airport waiting for his plane to land, and got pictures of him landing and heading to the golf course. But another station here in town had their helicopter flying over Southern Hills, getting footage of Tiger playing on a, in a practice round. I mean, we don't do that for anybody else. I, at that same day, I, I talked to one of the guys out of Southern Hills. There was three other professional golfers playing in the PGA Championship on the course for their practice round. They might as well have been you and I out there, Tyler, playing a practice <laughs> round because we had no idea they were there and nobody really cared that they were there. They had a, they had the helicopter. They had uh, another station had people hanging out in trees, trying to get footage of him on, on uh, was it five and six right there by the road. So yeah, I mean the dude, you know, we hear all the time, you know, tiger moving the needle and, but everybody's counterpoint to that is that he is the needle. And so that, that's just how it is, man. He, he commands that attention. And, and as you mentioned, fan wise, if you're coming out and you want to watch Tiger, I would plan on getting a few shots ahead of him because if you're stay, if you're trying to watch him from that shot and follow him shot to shot, you'll have no view because the viewing is like 10, 15 people deep. And so there's your viewer tip. If you want to watch Tiger, 
go like a hole ahead and camp out of the spot, watch that shot and go find another hole, a couple holes ahead, camp out, wait for them to get there. It's just, it's a zoo. Yeah, it is. I mean, and a guy like Ricky, for example, you know, who's pretty popular among folks in Oklahoma, you can follow him hole to hole probably pretty easily, even though this is going to be all those OSU fans out there. You probably still can. In Tiger's case, you might even have to get three holes ahead just to have a decent view to see him. I mean, it's unlike anything else. He's He is seriously, I think the word that someone said is he's like a rock star. I mean, he's just this icon, this guy that, that even non-golf fans know and appreciate his greatness. And so that's just what you get. And you mentioned you were at St. Louis for Bell Reef. That crowd was rabid. I mean, there yeah. were so many people around Tiger that week too. I mean, it's just an every week thing. And so I expect it to be no different. Uh, for for the PGA as well. Well, and, and it makes sense too. You know, we we hear TJ so much about you know the guy that has to play next to Tiger usually doesn't do well. Not only because of the Tiger effect, but you know of all the crowd and how different it is compared to the applause they get. But when you see it firsthand, then you start to understand why. Okay, this makes sense. You know. So, yeah. 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 Totally different. Another storyline, of course, Phil Mickelson. We didn't see at the Masters. He's on the entry list. It looks like he's coming to Southern Hills. Is that what you're hearing? Does it sound like the Tiger that, uh, that Phil's going to make his return here? As far as we know, that's where he's coming. You know, it, it was hard to believe that back in April after the Masters that we were giving Tiger Woods, who nearly lost his leg a year ago, a higher percentage chance to play than the defending champion of the PGA Championship, which was Phil Mickelson. And then now it appears that they're both going to be here. In my opinion, I, I think they both play. I think the Tiger's pretty much a lock. I think Phil is going to make his return as well. Just seems like the right place to make a return. You're the defending champion. Uh, it's it's a major championship. And not that the media storm has subsided in any way because it's still very much rampant, but at least there's other storylines to kind of, you know, bounce off of him and, and focus on that. So I, I do think he plays. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays. I've only seen a couple of videos of him swinging at, you know, you know, playing with his buddies. And so I, I don't, I don't know what his form is going to look like. And I, I don't know where his focus is going to be given all the attention around the off the course stuff. Uh, but it, it'd be my expectation that he'll be here and he'll be playing. In your opinion, TJ, this whole Saudi tour stuff that, uh, was was talked about with Phil and obviously at the the source of this and there was speculation about whether he was suspended or not or anything like that. Um, do you think any of that's a big deal? We're, I was surprised that that he sat out the Masters like he did. If anything, I thought that the Masters would have been a good time for him to come back, let Tiger take all the spotlight and make your return kind of quietly in Tiger's shadow. Now you come back as the defending champion. All eyes are on you. Your return here. Uh, what, what do you make of this whole situation with, with Phil here? Were you surprised how it's all played out? Yeah, you know, honestly, Tyler, I, I don't have a problem with these guys looking, speaking of LIV and Saudi golf, I don't have a problem with these guys looking and playing on other tours. Oh, I really yeah. don't have an issue with it. It's really not a big deal. I think the issue that people are taking is the, the, the brashness and the abrasiveness of Phil's comments. And, you know, we can argue about that if we want, but honestly, the, the basis of it is that Phil and, and Greg Norman's league is, is just giving these guys other opportunities outside the PGA tour. They may not like where the money's coming from. And that's kind of where I think people's beef comes with this, uh, but I have no problem with these guys, you know, looking for other opportunities outside the PGA tour to play golf. And so uh, that's where most of this beef is coming from is the way Phil kind of handled it with his comments and his statements. 
Uh, and to your point, it's actually a great point. You know, in, in theory, if you return to the Masters, Tiger is the big story, clearly. And so maybe you're not focused on as much. But as a defending champion of the PGA, you kind of have more media responsibilities. And, and I'll point out that on the CBS call we were on earlier today, there was about 10 questions about Phil to Jim Nance and Nick Faldo and, and CBS executives. And they all kind of, you know, played it close to the vest and said any decision that's made about the PGA tour is, is the PGA tour's decision, not us for the PGA of America and CBS. And, and Jim Nance had said that he has talked to Phil, but he's going to keep those comments private, which understand that. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe the PGA is not the best return in terms of keeping the media attention off you, but I guess at some point you got to return. So I might as well do it at a major championship. And uh, coming in as the defending PGA champion and such, uh, you know, he's won the PGA itself a, a couple different times. What do you think about uh, Phil's chances here? And what's his track record like at a Southern Hills over the years? Yeah, not much. And honestly, with the lack of the amount of the lack of play that he's gotten, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. He hasn't played well since the PGA championship last year. And only all of his success outside of the PGA has been on the champions tour. So I was surprised he actually didn't play last year at the senior PGA. I thought he would have tried to do that because he was eligible and because it'd be a great tune-up for the PGA this year. Uh, but no, I, I, the, I think him showing up is the expectation. You know, Tiger, we mentioned making the cut, maybe finishing top 30 is a good expectation. Phil showing up and playing in the golf tournament would be my expectations because he doesn't have like bad six, bad track record here, but it's not great. Hadn't played in a while. And then there's so much focus off the golf course on him right now. So I, I would, I would be very surprised if he plays well here. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, local golfers. Uh, there where you're at in, uh, in Tulsa and, you know, obviously some big ties to the OSU likes Ricky Fowler going to play, uh, Victor Hovland, of course, going to be involved here. Uh, that OSU golf program has just been spectacular, uh, arguably the best in the country. And it's going to certainly show, uh, this, this upcoming weekend here. Yeah. They just keep turning out talent, don't they, man? It's just, it's impressive. You mentioned the notable guys, Ricky Fowler is going to be a fan favorite. Hasn't played his best in really a couple of years now had a decent first round at the Wells Fargo kind of petered off on the weekend, but yeah, that Victor Hovland is the one I think that everybody's going to pay attention to guys just been so successful for the past year. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, but it's hard to keep up the pace that he was on there in the fall and then the early spring. And then a couple other guys that you should probably keep an eye on locally, uh, Taylor Gooch, who is from Oklahoma from Midwest city and played at Oklahoma state has been playing really well all season long. Uh, knows Southern Hills pretty well. So there's a guy that I would keep an eye on. And then Matt Wolf, Oklahoma State guy as well. Yeah. He's in the he's in the field and he's kind of churned out this new I have no expectations when I get to the golf course. I'm just trying to have fun statement. Like that's his new mantra. He doesn't really care about the results. And so sometimes when you free will it, I mean you play well. And so he played decent last week at the Wells Fargo, had a good finish. And so maybe that's a guy coming back to Oklahoma. Maybe some good vibes there. Uh, but yeah, of that group, especially the Oklahoma State Cowboys, you got Victor Hovland as the favorite there. And the only other one, OU only has Abe Answer. You know, he's from Mexico, so he's not a local guy, but he played at OU and he's been playing really well. And so that's that's a guy I would keep an eye on too. The lone sooner in the field, he's he's got the game that, that fits Southern Hills and has been playing well this year. So there's quite a few local ties, Tyler, that guys and people here in Oklahoma can, can keep an eye on. Now, of those guys that you mentioned there, what's their experience like with uh, Southern Hills? Obviously, it's not a stop on the tour, but is this somewhere that they get to play much in college or, or anything like that? 
Yeah, so the Big 12 has hosted uh, their conference championship out at Southern Hills a couple times. Uh, 2009, I believe, was the U.S. Amateur uh, that Southern Hills hosted. And so guys around that age would have played there before. Uh, there's, and like I said, there's been some college events that have been played out at Southern Hills in the past, you know, five, 10 years or so. The only problem is, is that the course has been updated since then. And so a lot of these guys have been around Southern Hills before, but not the new Southern Hills, if you will. And so it's kind of a blank canvas for a lot of these guys. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but just to bring him up now, Scotty Scheffler is one on this golf course. He's one of the college men at Southern Hills. And so he's got experience. And of course he's playing great, but he hasn't played the new Southern Hills in a tournament setting yet. And so, and none of these guys really have. And so it, that, that's, that's going to be the big key is sure. There's guys who have been around Southern Hills and, and know the layout and all that, but you know, the green complexes are different. Obviously the bunkers are different, newer length. So it's there, there's certainly some of these local guys who have played big, big 12 events while they're in college, but the course is still a little different from them. Who are some of the uh, favorites uh, you're watching for? You mentioned Scotty, obviously coming off that masters championship and, him being from Dallas and everything. Uh, who are some of the names that, that you're watching for? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you three. One of them is Scotty Scheffler because, I mean, it, it feels like if you don't pick him, you, you're you kind of crazy, right? He's barely been beaten by anybody the past three months or so. Like you mentioned, the Masters champion. He has said on record that, that Southern Hills is his favorite golf course. And so you have those vibes around a place that helps a lot. I think he shot 64 during a practice round here last week. So – Guy knows how to get around Southern Hills still. Like I said, the course is different, but he still has good vibes around the place. So Scotty Scheffler's one. Uh, John Rahm is one. He's one of the favorites on there as well. I think Scheffler and Rahm might be the two favorites. So I'm really not going out on a limb here, but I'm giving you guys that I think will play well. Rahm just won recently, and so he's got good form coming in, and he fits this golf course well. And another one that I would keep an eye on, and we'll see what happens with some of the added pressure because of this, but it's Jordan Speed, still mm-hmm. a Texas, Texas guy. He still, he still needs the PGA Championship to complete the career Grand Slam. And so that's the pressure I'm talking about is knowing how close you are to being really – I mean, he's etched in history already, but even more so by winning the career Grand Slam. It's the only one he's missing. And so he's got good vibes around here. He came up and played a practice round with Justin Thomas, who would be another guy I would throw in there um, as a guy that I like. And I think Speed's game fits this as well, and he's playing great. Like I said, he just won a couple weeks ago too. So – but the good thing, Tyler, especially for us in Tulsa and for golf fans in general, is that I could name 10 other guys that I think fit this golf course and can contend and win here. That's just how deep the field is and how good golf is right now. Well, yeah, I mean, golf, I would argue, TJ, that the field in golf right now is as good as it's ever been. And, you know, you go to the Masters and with the old guys that are involved and the amateurs and such, you probably only have about 15 guys that can win the Masters every year, realistically. With this event, I think that you're talking about maybe 20 or 30 or even 35 guys, potentially. Maybe that's a little high that have a chance that that, that could compete on Sunday of uh, of somebody you mentioned, okay, yeah. I mean, you, you keep on going down the list here. I mean, it, it's deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Dustin Johnson's a great pick. Cam Smith just about won the Masters with Scotty Scheffler. He's a great pick. Dustin Johnson. You got Brooks Kepka, who has been playing well. He had to withdraw this week. He's a guy that that would be a good pick here as well. Um, there's 20 club pros in the field of I can't remember what the exact number is for the field, but 20 club professionals make the field every year for the PGA. 
you take those 20 out and then, I mean, there's probably another 20 that you can for sure remove. So there's 40 guys that you can just throw out immediately. And, and outside of that, I mean, there's been so much good young talent in the game right now that it'd be hard to say, eh, no, I don't like his fit here. Mm, I don't like him the way he's playing. Just a, it's a deep field, like you mentioned. And, and I think, you know, people love the Tiger era because Tiger was dominant. But I don't know if we'll have another one like that for a while because there's so much great young talent that is playing so well. And so I, I enjoy this because there's so much parody right now in golf and that, that's enjoyable. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I, I was thinking about it. You mentioned with, with Brooks withdrawing and we're not going to see Bryson DeChambeau this weekend either as you know, he's dealing with an injury and such, but those guys, I'm sure they'll come back to Southern Hills down the road and such. I don't know in all honesty, if we're going to get, if, this might be it to have Tiger and Phil on a major championship stage at Southern Hills, you know, uh, as good as it could be realistically, I'll take one more round for those guys when I know we're going to have those young cats back uh, in the future anyway. Yeah. I, I think, I think 2030s PGA is still open, but that's eight years from now. Phil would be almost 60 and Tiger would be mid fifties. And so depending on his health at that point, I, that would be a toss up. And then Phil, I mean, being 60 years old, I guess we could, you know, maybe, maybe he still feels good enough to come out here and play, but yeah, I would, I would imagine, I would venture a guess that unless there's a senior event that comes back again sometime soon, this, this might be the last time we see both Ty, both Tiger and Phil in the same field here in at Southern Hills. So yeah, that's, it's a great point. And that's, uh, that's something fans should try and cherish as much as they can. Yeah, certainly. Uh, TJ, I know you're quite the golfer yourself. Uh, have you got any chance to play this new Southern Hills? I have not played it yet. It's a great question. I hope people at Southern Hills are listening because I would love <laughs> to do so. I have not. I have, I played I played it in college, so 2017 I played it. That was the last time I got to play there, and it's it's awesome. I'm out there all the time for stories and such, and I actually caddied out there in college, and so every once in a while I'll go help out if they need it. So I have actually caddied out there since – uh, the restoration was done. And so I've been out there enough and, and feel like I know the course decently well. Uh, it, it's awesome. It's, it's hard. So these guys will have a tough time. And I, I'm, I was really excited to watch the senior guys play just so I could get a feel and we could get a feel for how I was going to play with the new course. Now I'm really excited to see the best players in the world play and see if they can go low, if it's going to play tough and it's a single digit type winner. I don't know, but uh, yeah, to answer your question, I have not played the new golf course yet. All right, we'll uh, we'll see if we can make some phone calls and nice. uh, try to have that happen. If you get in, then then you got to bring me with you. You know, we got to we pair up. You know, we'll make it happen. Uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> TJ, uh, we got a little bit of time left uh, with you, and so uh, I want to ask you. You we didn't have a chance really to have your formal introduction because we got right into things. Uh, tell me about uh, your, your time at Channel Eight. We mentioned you're you're a Tulsa guy and such, but uh, what what's that been like uh, working there? I, I interned at Eight. I was in that same office you're in right now years ago, and uh, it's always been a, a special station there in T-Town. No kidding. Yeah, I'm sure it looks the exact same. Nobody does any cleaning around here. I'm, I'm thinking it does. these helmets. I think those helmets haven't moved. Uh, they probably have not, and I haven't touched them, so that's that's why. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. It's It's been really enjoyable. I got here uh, in April of 2018, so we just passed the four-year mark here at Channel 8, and it's been a blast. It's been cool getting to cover the sports that I played in the area and cover the teams that I played against and talk to the coaches that – some of them are still there. Uh, so that, that's been neat. And it's just such a good, as you know, great sports market, right? I mean, we have great college athletics, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, 
are both within our viewing area in terms of that's who we cover. But then also Tulsa and Oral Roberts are good. And then the high school sports here are so great. And then obviously you throw this in here with the, with the PGA championship, man, it's just, it's such a cool, cool market to be in and it's home. And so having my parents be able to watch on TV is neat. And so just being back in Tulsa has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, you know, coming up here uh, after this, uh, I guess attention turns to uh the thunder and the uh, draft lottery here. What's going on there? <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's been uh, it's been fun, I guess, to watch this process play out because they've been so successful for so many years. And then you watch them, and you're almost rooting for them to lose. It's been fun on on our sportscast at night. I'll I'll talk about a, a thunder loss like it's a good thing, and our our anchors will be like, "Why are you excited about a win a loss?" And it's like, "Well, it you know it sets us up long term in theory." Uh, so I'll be curious to see what happens. It's been hard, I think, for the Thunder to lose on purpose. I don't know if they've been any good at it. It's, it's been interesting. They've been so good at winning for so long that losing almost doesn't come naturally to them. And so it'll be a big night, the lottery. If they can find a way to, to squeak into the top three or four, I think there's a good group of about four or five guys at the top there that you really like. And then we'll see what happens with that second pick in the first round. Maybe they can slide in somewhere at the bottom of the top ten. It's so funny to me. I was watching, uh, I believe it was the, the the Pelicans and the Clippers, that play-in game, and that was the most important game of the Thunder's entire season. They weren't even involved in it. <laughs> I've never paid more attention to a Pelicans game, I don't think, uh, than that one right there. It was uh, – I think I think Thunder fans were more in tune to that one than Pelican fans, perhaps. I don't yeah. know. I, I think – I honestly think they were. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty enjoyable. And that's that's been part of the fun, too, is that I think – Thunder fans, for the most part, have embraced this idea of, of losing to win in the future. And so that, that's been kind of a fun part on social media to, to watch fans, especially if they win, in the comments of their of the Thunder's official page post about winning the game and, and seeing them, you know, getting all upset about it. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a fun process. Uh, real quick, tell me about uh, what's going on with OU and OSU. Imagine uh... – after that spring game, it looks like there's a lot of excitement around that uh, OU program, their new head coach, Brent Venables, there. Yes, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think I think there's a new energy with Brent Venables there in Norman, and it, it's gone from as bad as it could possibly be when Lincoln Riley left to maybe as good as it could possibly be, bringing a guy with this much energy and passion about the program and Brent Venables. And so the, the big question now is, is what are the expectations? and and with OU, as you know, the expectation every year is to win a national championship. And so welcome back to Norman Brent. Go uh, go win you a national championship, I guess. And so that'll be fun to follow with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. That's not, he's not going to be a number one draft pick like they've had behind center the past few years. And so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, but, but I think there's a new excitement around the program, and, and that's been great. Oklahoma State, I mean, coming off their best year since Brandon Whedon, right? I mean, yeah. just a great season for them. And so – how do you build on that? You lose Jim Knowles as your defensive coordinator, but you bring in a guy like Derek Mason who has that experience. And so we'll see if the defense is still still as strong as it was uh, in 2021. But and Mike Gunny just continues to find ways to win ball games without five stars and without the notoriety and the press coverage that that the guys get down there in Norman. So I mean, it's been it's been impressive watching him do that. All right, we'll end on this, uh, TJ, for folks coming into Tulsa that might be their first time uh, there in town or looking for uh, something to do, what would you advise, uh, whether it's a place to go or place to eat or something, what do people need to do when they're in town next week for the, the uh, PGA Championship? Well, you can speak on this as well, being a, a fellow Tolson, but uh, I had a buddy in town actually this past week 
And I asked him where he wanted to go eat. And he said, what's something Tulsa? And I said, well, why don't we go to Coney Islander. So, so, so <laughs> quick trip. <laughs> yeah. Right. Go to quick trip. You got, yeah, you got to get some taquitos, a quick trip, try and go to Coney Islander, get you some hot dogs. Those are, those are a staple here. Uh, I will say if you do have time and you're bringing maybe a significant other or something, why don't you try to stop at Mondo's? You've been to Mondo's Tyler. You've been there yes. before. Mondo's okay. a good call. Yeah, it's Italian place on Brookside. It's kind of a, a popular place here in Tulsa. And so go to Mondo's, get you some Italian food, hang out on Brookside. Cherry Street's a good spot to hang out. Uh, downtown's is, is doing really well as well in terms of trying to come up and, and have a good social life as well. If you're not, if you're in town for golf and you get bored one day and you don't want to go watch golf, go to the Gathering Place, yep. great park. They occasionally will have food trucks out there as well. So it's kind of a fun little hangout spot. So there's plenty to do. And I'm actually going to look at the calendar. Now, drillers are out of town. I was going to say, if you could go to the driller game or something at One Oak Field, but the drillers are out of town that week. So, uh, but no, there's still plenty to do outside of the golf course. And yeah, so, I believe Kane's Ballroom's got some stuff going on and a few other things. Uh, yeah. TJ, for me, I, I'm looking at, uh, I got to find these, the outside events, the parties and such. You know I mean? Like, that's <laughs> what I'm looking for. I, I need to get in where, where Tiger and these guys are going to be after the, the rounds and such. I don't know how uh, how tight Tiger's circle is going to be, but I would imagine they're not going to reveal the location of his, uh, <laughs> his after parties. I'll I'll, uh, I'll keep an ear out for you though, and if I hear about it, you'll be the first to know. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll stake out at the Mayo Hotel. You know, there you go. I like that idea. Go from there, TJ. <laughs> uh, tell people where they can find you, uh, your social media, and your podcast, all that great stuff, man. Yeah, you bet. Uh, TJ Eckert, K T U L. Eckert is E C K E R T, and then K T U L on Twitter. That's kind of where I'm. I do most of my stuff. You can, you can follow me on Facebook if you'd like. Same same name. And then yeah, the Plugged Lie Podcast. I believe it's just Plugged Lie Pod. So P L U G G E D Lie Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Mainly on Twitter though. And so you can get your information uh, on there. The podcast is is Oklahoma golf based, but we do a lot of stuff with uh, the PGA Tour and all sorts of things. So. Uh, yeah, if you can't tell, I'm passionate about golf, so it's fun getting to go long form interviews on on podcasts and stuff like this. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't even think we mentioned uh, you, you played football at UCO, right? I did, I did. I played at UCO from 2012 to my last season of 2016. So uh, played there in Edmond and had a great experience. It's uh, it was a lot of fun. We didn't have the best teams. We had a couple of years where we were pretty solid, uh, but. I mean, it was it was a great college experience. And MIAA, you know, you're in the Kansas City area. You, right. You've been around there. You know some of those teams around there, man. It's Conference of it's Champions. Tough, <laughs> tough conference, man. And they just hired uh, Adam Durrell, or Adam Dorrell, how you pronounce it. He, he was the coach of Northwest Missouri when I was there. And Northwest oh, really? Missouri, as you know, was a national power. Mm-hmm. And so so that that's, that'll be a great hire for the Broncos, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you went to Bigsby, right? Went to Bixby, graduated in 2012. I can't remember. Were you 2012 at BA? I was 2014, just a couple years okay. behind you at BA. Couple, couple years at BA, yeah. So, actually, my last high school football game was against Broken Arrow. Okay. It didn't go well, clearly. we didn't. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to elaborate too much on it. But, yeah, we lost in the playoffs to BA. Yeah, uh, they got good after you left, you know, shortly thereafter. Uh, <laughs> All they need, that's what I tell people. They just had to get rid of me, and they found ways to start winning ballgames. <laughs> TJ, <laughs> appreciate the time, man. Uh, this is flowing by. Check out all – TJ's great stuff, and we'll definitely have to have you back on again in the future, man. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for joining us, man. You bet, Tyler. Thank you. Anytime. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can also to reach out by phone to Bo 
at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And you can also reach out Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a y.oconnor at lpl.com. And you can check out O'Connor Advisors Group on Facebook and the Coach Bodo's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And Bo joins us right now. Bo, how are we feeling? How are things at OAG this week? Man, we're doing all right, man. I, you know, I started something this week. I was telling my wife I was stressed out and I've been dealing with some stuff. So I told my wife on May 1st, that was our anniversary. I said, you know, I'm going to take the month of May and work half days. Just half days for the whole month. Just kind of get my mind back to where I need to be. Josie, how long do you think it took? How long do you think I could stay with that? Not long. It lasted one day. One day. On May the second, I worked an extra. I worked like an extra long day. Uh, yeah, so I'm still working and still doing a whole bunch of stuff. But we still have time for people. We still want to help everybody. May is not. May, May is also uh, Life Insurance Awareness Month. So if you need some help, if you need help with a new policy, or you're thinking about, it, you need to take a look at what you currently got. This is the best time. Give me a shout. Go to oagks.com. Click on the contact us. Best way to get a hold of me. We want to be your partner. Oagks.com. Counteradvisorygroup.com. In a bit, Bo's going to stick around after the football fix, and we're going to bring back an old segment that caught fire during the pandemic, but we had so many other things to get to that we we kind of put it aside. But we're bringing it back as we start to begin the slower portion of the year, our our draft season segments, and we're going to draft – the best people named Joe later on. And I know Bo's excited for this, but in the meantime, we have some football to talk about. Bo, uh, Tom Brady, uh, he makes a little more money than us on the media side, and he hasn't even uh, made his debut yet as a TV analyst. $37.5 million a year, 10-year contract to be the new lead analyst at Fox Sports when he retires from the National Football League. And so... More than likely, somebody like Greg Olson is going to be their number one analyst and call the Super Bowl this year. And then whenever Brady's ready to step aside from football, then he will have that job waiting for him at Fox. Uh, Bo, I was surprised that Tom wanted to go the TV route, but then when they threw that type of money at him, he'd be stupid not to. Yeah, I'm surprised he's doing games. I, I I liken this to when Joe Montana retired. and He worked for NBC briefly, but he was in the studio. He wasn't very good, but he was in the studio. I, I'm surprised he's going to be doing these games, but they're not just paying him this much money just to do 20-some-odd games a year. There's a whole lot more. You told me some specifics we got on before we got on, and uh, that is way too much money to turn down. I mean, he's getting paid double, effectively, what you know Troy Aikman and Tony Romo are getting. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't turn that kind of money down. I, I get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that money is, is just insane. And uh, what, what Fox is getting out of it is basically complete rights to use Tom Brady when it comes to, uh, you know, commercials and promotions and such. I mean, things that are stuff that we don't usually see out of these analysts. You know, I mean, you're not going to see Tony Romo making appearances on the CBS Sports Network or Nickelodeon, you know, but with Tom Brady's new deal with Fox, you might see him on FS1 or Fox News or uh, what, what networks does Fox own now? National Geographic? I don't know. I mean, they're going to have him everywhere. I mean, he, yeah. he is going to be on every Fox network all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, again, you're paying that much money, you got to get the use of him. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be pretty strange to see. I mean, he's we were talking about that on my podcast a little bit earlier, and I thought about this way: we haven't seen uh, outside of Man in the Arena, we've seen a little bit of his personality. Um, I think the first time we really saw his personality was when he was on LeBron's show, the, the shop. Yeah. But we haven't seen his like open personality. My wondering is, is he going to be, is he going to be a very good analyst? I mean, obviously the man knows football. I mean, that, I don't doubt that at all, but to make it relatable to regular people, I mean, that's, that's difficult. I mean, if you look at guys like Tony Romo and, and Troy Aikman, even they do it differently from each other. You know, Troy Aikman's someone who's not afraid to criticize people. And he talks about more than just the quarterback. Uh, one complaint I have on Tony Romo, I like Tony Romo a lot in the game, but he focuses too much on the quarterback and what that position is because he's familiar with that position the most. I wonder how Brady's going to be in that case. You know, will he be willing to criticize someone who he played against or he played with or something like that? You don't see a lot of that. So I'm kind of curious because if you're paying someone that much money, you really want the best of what they can do. And I wonder what they're going to get. I, I find the whole thing interesting myself. Right. Well, and, and considering that they let Joe Bach and Troy Aikman walk and Joe and Troy, I think are as good as any team on television. Those guys went to ESPN and are going to make a combined $34 million, which yeah. isn't cheap by any means, but they're going to pay Tom Brady alone more than what they would have paid Buck and Aikman combined. I mean, it's just nuts this type of money to thrown out there. You look at now these top broadcast teams, Fox, whenever Brady retires, Kevin Burkhart's going to be their new lead play-by-play guy, along with Brady, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi, and Mike Pereira. CBS, Nance, Romo, Tracy Wolfson and a Gene Steratore. Yeah. NBC, they have a new booth this year. Mike Tirico is leading the charge with Chris Collinsworth. Melissa Stark comes over uh, to be the new sideline reporter, replacing Michelle DeFoya and Terry McCauley's their uh, rules analyst. ESPN's new booth, Buck and Aikman. Lisa Salters is back. And then John Perry does a good job as their rules analyst, too. And Amazon's new team, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, and it looks like Kaylee Hardtongue is a favorite to be their sideline reporter. You look at these top teams. Who's your favorite team of these uh, broadcasters right now, Bo? Um, I think I'm going to stick with Buck and Aikman. I, I just I like Aikman a lot. I, and I don't give Buck as much grief as some people do. I know, like, especially locally in Kansas City, people just don't like Joe Buck. They always feel like on the baseball side, he's against the Royals. But I think Joe Buck's a badass. I love Joe. I, I think that technically speaking, and you know more about this than I do, that being a play-by-play guy is so difficult. It's like being the point guard. And yeah. you got so many different facets of the game you have to do. And I don't think there's ever been anybody who's better than Joe Buck is. Yeah. Getting you in and out of getting, getting the, the analyst in, getting the analyst out, getting the replay, getting the, the live read, getting the commercial in. There's never been anybody better than Joe Buck. And I know some people don't like him. He grates on people's nerves, whatever. Technically speaking, he's incredible. The thing I like about Aikman is I think Aikman's willing to criticize somebody. And he's willing to talk about every facet of the game, whether it's an offensive lineman, whether it's a defensive lineman, 
whether it's the defensive backs, it's not just what the quarterback is doing and how he's reading the defense. Mm-hmm. All love offense. That's what makes Tony Romo so good at what he does is his natural excitement is really cool. But I really like the, the way that Aikman's not afraid to say, hey, this guy's just not playing well. Right. And to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that Buck and Aikman crew uh, is probably my favorite too. You know, the thing I like about Joe Best is that he's got the right tone usually in the moment. You know, Jim Nance, I think, is a little too monotone. I think Gus Johnson's a little too excited. Joe Buck's got that happy medium. You know, I, I think he's a good balance of both. And Troy is so good at breaking down places they happen. What about you, Tom, uh, of those teams, now that this shuffling is all finished? Who's, who's your favorite broadcast team at the, at the end of the day now? Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be Troy and Joe. I mean, uh, someone said this a while back, and I have never heard a more true statement. Troy Eggman and Joe Buck could make a uh, – I mean, they could make a, a Pop Warner game feel – of some importance, uh, you know, they, they could get the two teams in the NFL and have them play. And Joe and Troy are going to make that game somehow feel special. Uh, and I, I, for that reason alone, they're my favorite. It's, it's almost like a playoff game. Every time, you know, they, they start the coverage. It, it feels different. And I, I enjoy every, if I'll, I, here's what I'm going to say. I didn't even watch the Manning cast because I'd rather listen to Troy and Joe. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that one thing that brings up another good point too, Bo. Uh, the Manning cast was pretty popular this past year, but I think a lot of it had to do with people didn't want to hear Steve Levy and Brian Greasy in, in that gang. Uh, now you got Joe and Troy there. I don't have as much reason to watch the Manning cast. Yeah, I think that's going to be part of it, too. I, I still think when it came to the Manning cast, you and I talked about this during the season, I think it's going to come down to people's personal preferences. Like, for me personally, if I'm interested in the game, you know, if it's my team or if it's a game that I want to watch every play of the game, I'm going to watch the original broadcast. I'm going to watch Aikman and Buck. But if it's a game where, well, I'm kind of into it, these are – Two teams I'm not necessarily a big fan of, you know, that kind of thing. I might turn the Mannings on if I know they got good guests. And I'm a big Peyton Manning fan. So those are the kind of that's kind of my viewing on this. There's a couple of times where I thought the the Manning cast was great. And there was a couple of times where it kind of dragged. But I think when you have a bad game, and ESPN had a lot of bad games last couple of seasons. So this year with the Manning cast kind of helped in some of those. Um, that's kind of where I'm at on that. So, I mean, it's going to come down to what the game is. If my New Orleans Saints are on Monday night, I'm not watching the Manning cast. It's distracting from the game. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of, that's just an example. Right. The, the Manning cast is, is good uh, if you're hanging out home in the hot tub and just got the game on in the background, you know, and you want to hang out with Peyton and Eli. You know, if you're intent on seeing your team and every play dissected, then I think, you know, Joe and Troy are going to be the way to go. But – Nonetheless, uh, moving on. Uh, big money there for uh, Tom Brady. Now, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, have been one of the biggest stories this offseason for all the money that they've spent. But here we are four months after the fact, and we're still talking about Urban Meyer. 
and that disastrous tenure he had in Jacksonville. Last week, the owner for the Jags, Shad Khan, criticized Fox for hiring Urban Meyer, saying that how can you hire a guy like that that you can't just trust at all, that he was the, one of the most dishonest people he'd ever worked with. And now Josh Lambeau, the kicker that accused Meyer of kicking him, is suing the Jags uh, for $3.5 million, alleging uh, misconduct and emotional damage and such. You know, you know, Urban denies that the incident even happened. I, I look at this, you know, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not an Urban fan or a Jags fan at all, one, one way or the other, Bo. But the way I look at it, it's twofold. There's some lawyers speaking this. I mean, emotional distress from whether he was kicked or not, I don't know. Now, Urban, was he out of line? I, I lean towards Josh Lambeau that some incident happened of some sorts. If we've gotten all the way to this point, that tells me that something did not go right. Whether it was just a little nudge or whatever it was, something went wrong here. I think there's a middle ground of some sorts. Well, in this situation where you got a guy who, um, you know, has a situation with a coach, coach representative of the of the of the, of the ownership and the the um, the company, if you will, and in this case, I mean, go ahead and sue. It's also the NFL. It's the NFL team. When are they going to take us to court? They're not going to court. Lambo's going to get a settlement out of this. Lambo's going to get a couple free million dollars out of this thing. It's very free money to him. And because there's no way the Khan family wants us to go into court, there's just way too much at stake for the NFL for a $4 million lawsuit. You know, there's so many things they can do. They can, too many things you can have under discovery there. They could hurt the NFL in more ways. So this is just free money to Lambo. I do think it's the, the behavior that Urban Meyer had as a coach is abhorrent. It's something we can't have in football. You can't have the workplace at all. I mean, just plain and simple, whether it's football or not, you can't have that shit work. So I, I'm not a fan of Urban Meyer. I've made that very clear, especially with my time here on the podcast. Um, so and, and the Khan family, you know, they can speak down to Fox all they want on this deal because I know Fox hired Urban Meyer. The Khan family did first, and they like they haven't made a lot of mistakes. So, I mean, that's kind of the pot in the kettle, isn't it? Yeah. If you had to guess right now, do you think Urban Meyer is going to coach anywhere ever again? Um, I hesitate to say no. And the reason being is that we've seen some people who have, over time, you know, rehabbed their image. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. Look, Mike Tyson has – you know, rehab his image. That's been on my pod. Though, so OJ like, has to an extent. OJ, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you've got <laughs> this kind of thing, me, yours true. <laughs> if if Mike Tyson can be someone who's a product endorser, how can Urban Meyer not get a coaching job? I mean, it, I personally would not hire the guy, but he's been because he's been a problem everywhere he's been since he went to Florida. He's been a problem everywhere: Florida, Ohio State. I guess not at Fox, but then Jacksonville. So, no, I wouldn't want him to coach my team. But will somebody do it? At some point, yes. Especially a college team in the time of NIL. Mm -hmm. The rules are kind of getting a little, a little different now. 
Could you see a team say, hey, let's throw some money at this guy? You know, I mean, I can see that. You know, there's one school that comes to mind that doesn't have any morals whatsoever and that has missed repeatedly when it comes to coaches that would be an attractive place. Uh, I, and the timing, I think, could work out. If Sark doesn't start winning at Texas, I very well could see Urban at UT. Oh, I could see that too. Absolutely. I mean, with NIL, if Texas cannot start winning, that means they're just cursed in some way. I mean, they've got more money than everybody. And if Sarkeesian can't get it done, they'll hire Urban Meyer. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? I do see, though, we mentioned about reputations and such. Um, I mean, parents know. I mean, he, wherever he goes, he can't – there's no way he's going to be able to recruit like he did at Ohio State and Florida, right? It's not about him recruiting now. I mean, these NIL rules are going to make it to where anybody can recruit. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to who writes the biggest checks. I mean, look yeah. at this kid. There's a kid right now. We're talking about going to Tennessee, getting, you know, $8 million in NIL money over three years. You know, how much NIL money could Arch Manning get? <laughs> now, we'll I don't think out. he'll be a guy that puts himself out there because he's going to come from a, you know, very, very wealthy family. But he'll do some. But, yeah, yeah I mean, if, if Arch Manning was not a Manning, and it was the highest better. How much money would the University of Texas's alums give that guy to go there? Whatever he wanted. Whatever you want. Name your price, young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just that's what's going to come down to. Speaking of uh, NIL and such, the NCAA uh, released some new guidelines this week, some rule <laughs> changes. And, you know, we're hearing coaches left and right complain about NIL and that it needs to be fixed and all this, that it's out of control. It's the Wild West out there. You know, I, when, when I hear all this, Bo, you know what I'm thinking? Shut up. Yeah. I mean, sack up. I mean, these players were robbed from for how long? Yeah. And now the pendulum has switched the complete opposite direction. Deal with it. I mean, you know, Years ago, it wasn't too long ago, we were talking about coaches when they weren't coaching. It wasn't just recruiting. They were going to have to go out and raise money and, you know, try to keep their students, you know, their their student athletes uh, academically eligible and stuff like that. Now, I mean, in all honesty, the job of a head coach is easier than ever before. The NIL recruits itself. You got the tutors and all that handling the education side. You know, I mean, to complain about NIL, I mean, you know, deal with it. I mean, you get paid how much money? I mean, you'll be fine. Work with yeah. it. Work with the system. It comes down to where an NIL for, I mean, for the coaches to be upset, it comes down to really they're losing control, dominant control. Like like Urban Meyer is an, is an example. Well, someone who just had a chokehold on the entire program, you know, and, and now you're just not going to see that as much because these players now have an option. You know, the way we have a transfer portal now, and we have NIL money. We just saw the kid from K State who's going to Miami now, going to get four hundred grand in NIL money. Um, there was a great article on SI.com this week that was about, you know, are, are we going to the wild wild west? Are we going back to the early '80s? You know, you know, Pony Excess and SMU and that kind of stuff. 
hey, bring it. Let's see what happens. This will be fun. Yeah. Let, let, let's let it happen. I mean, yeah, there's going to be for every kid like a, a Bryce Young who reportedly made a million dollars in NIL deals, there are so many kids who are, you know, golfers, who are uh, basketball players at lower division levels that are, you know, women's soccer players or divers or swimmers who are making a little bit of extra money because of the NIL rules. They can make ends meet now. Mm-hmm. And they're not having to be as dependent on the rules, so, you know, the, of the, for lack of a better term, the slave labor of what the NCAA is in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're going to have on my podcast, we're doing a thing in June. We're going to talk about NIL from every angle. We're going to have a couple of players on. We're going to have some compliance people. that are going to talk about it from their side. That's what I think is the biggest headache in all this. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have someone from coaching to talk about, you know, how this is impacting things. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to have uh, John Seaton, who's uh, a kid who's on TikTok, who has 1.7 million followers, is making 10 grand a month on on advertised TikToks or whatever you call the you know the stuff on TikTok. But it's the kid who's like a walk-on offensive tackle. This is what NIL's for, for this kid to use his name and likeness and make some money. It's the good side of NIL. But people are only going to talk about the bad side. They're only going to talk about the high-end side. Mm-hmm. There's always good and bad. Yeah. For every Bryce Young or now Arch Manning or whomever, there's going to be, you know, 100 kids who make a little something to get them by to where they can live a real college kid life. And I'm all for that. I'm also all for that for the players at the top end because, frankly, they're being used and they're not getting anything out of this when it's all said and done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back on the NFL front, uh, yeah. the schedule gets released Thursday night. Some of you that are listening to this maybe after the schedule's already released. But in the meantime, Bo, uh, what do you make of uh, some of these games that have already been announced, some of the leaks that we've seen so far? What stands out to you? We've got more games in Europe than ever before. We're not just so you can tell that the league is trying to expand its, you know, they're trying to expand what worldwide, uh, starting in Europe. They're gonna have games in Germany, they're gonna have games in France, have games in England, uh, more games in London, not gonna be just one or two. It's just gonna be more and more. Um, I think what we're seeing so far is that it's just a matter of the league trying to expand, you know, its outlook worldwide. It's the dominant sport here in America, and if they can become that popular over across the across the pond, if you will, um, you know, it's more revenue to the to the sport to the to all the owners. Yeah, yeah, more revenue indeed. Yeah. And uh, that uh, second week, we're going to get a Monday Night Football doubleheader, but yeah. both games are going to be going on at the same time. What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah, that seems kind of unusual. I know that they've done double headers in the past where they start the Monday night game early, like an hour earlier. You know, so like for us in the central time zone, it's a six o'clock start. Right. You've got a nine o'clock or nine thirty start. West Coast game. West Coast yeah. game. Yeah. So I like that idea. Um, we talked off the air about it briefly, and it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, which announced team's gonna announce what? Right, because that uh that double header night. You have the Bills and Titans is going to be on ESPN. 
And then the Vikings and the Eagles is going to be on uh, ABC. ESPN's got the better game, but ABC has got the wider reach. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Oh, I think that Buck and Aikman are going to be on ESPN. Yeah. And they're going to have that um, Bills Titans game just because it's the Bills, the bigger, bigger name, that kind of thing. Be interesting, to see, be interesting to me to see who calls the other game. Yeah. You know, they're not going to bring out Steve Levy and that crew. And then, I mean, is that going to, and then you can't have Herb Street doing the game, I assume. So he's already, because I mean, he's your number one college guy, but he's busy at Amazon Thursday. Right. Yeah. So that'll be a little bit interesting to me to see who they pick for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, and, and on the schedule stuff, uh, the NFL going with the triple header on Christmas and, you know, the NBA traditionally has own Christmas day, but we saw last year, I mean, the Colts Cardinals game on the NFL network had 12 million people. And, you know, that was a a snooze, you know, I mean, not any, anything big with those two. And that drew 12 million on the NFL network, the Browns and the Packers had close to 30 million on Fox. I mean, we were all headed to this point anyway. I mean, they, they have this triple header on Christmas, I mean, screw the NBA. I could care less, you know, and the NBA in December, I don't need it. Give me the NFL. Yeah. I, I've always thought that the NBA should start their season on Christmas. Yeah. I think that would be the be beneficial to them, but you're right. I mean, now we've got it to where the NBA has got, you know, they had Christmas for a while, but once football, you know, once the NFL said, Hey, we want to have some games on Christmas, Look, that is the only property, whether it's in sports or anywhere else where there are more eyes year to year on the product. That's the NFL. So you'd be crazy not to put it on. I mean, what is it, like the top three of the top five things this past year on television were NFL games? Mm -hmm. And that's not including Super Bowl, which is always number one. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where, I mean, yeah, I I liked watching the NBA as well. But, you know, I'm also – I can't follow really the NBA till about spring break. You know, right. then I'm like, okay, now I'm locked in. I'll watch the game here and there. You know, got to get a flavor. But, you know, when we get the spring break, I'm like, okay, now I'm in. And I love the playoffs. Yeah. So, and I got the thing. Um, I just want to see, can we can we stop making the Lions play on Thanksgiving? I think they should have lost that privilege already. I would agree 100% that the Lions, the Lions and the Cowboys, I know that's been the traditional thing. But, yeah, get the Lions out the paint on that one. I mean, make it a – Make it a New York team, whether it's the Giants or the Jets. I mean, somebody, anything. Just change it up. I mean, I don't know. I just – I agree with you on that. <laughs> Last thing uh, for the football fix, and then we will uh, get to our draft as uh, we'll begin draft season here. Bo, uh, week 10, Mike McCarthy makes his return trip to Lambeau Field with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Very first time that he's been back there. Uh, since he was fired from Green Bay. Uh, week 10, though, will Mark McCarthy be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys then? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, man, if they come out slow, he's dead man walking. He is. He's dead man. I mean, he's – if they come out in through week eight, their first eight games, if they don't – they're not six and two through eight games, he's gone. I mean, if they're 500 or sub-500, he's gone. I mean, just 
I don't think he's that great of a head coach in the first place. I don't place. either. And they're just looking for a reason to let him go now because they want Sean Payton so bad. And Sean Payton's available to him. I mean, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, it's going to come down to who, who wants to do the bidding on that. And Jerry Jones is going to get his guy. He's going to get Sean Payton at some point. What about you, Tom? If you had to guess, week 10, is Mike McCarthy the head coach when uh, the Cowboys play at Green Bay? No. <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know, it's funny about that whole thing. You, you, Bo, you make a good point. If they're six and two or, you know, six and four or what, you know, well, I guess at that point, maybe nine games in, I don't know what their buy is yet. I'm, it could be, you know, before then, could be week eight or something like that. But uh, I was looking at strength of schedule and I know it changes, you know, year in and year out, but from last year's. Uh, you know, results, Dallas has like the third easiest schedule um, in the National Football League. I still think Dallas is going to find a way to shit the bed. They always do. And and you guys are absolutely right. I, I don't – they don't want Mike McCarthy in there, but, you you know, they, they got to have a cause. They got to figure out some way to part, part ways with him. And then, oh, I'm trying to think. Who's their young offensive coordinator? Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Yeah, yeah. I think – I think – I think you guys are absolutely right. They'll fire Mike McCarthy, see what Kellen Moore does as an interim, and then, you know, if they can go after and get Sean Payton, they'll do it. Um, you know what? I'm not saying this just to be contrarian, but I think McCarthy makes it to week 10. Um, remember, Jerry took so long to fire Jason Garrett. I mean, he technically didn't even fire him. He didn't renew his contract when his contract was up. Um, I don't see them paying extra money, a buyout, to let go of a coach they're going to fire anyway. Yeah, I don't disagree. I I just – I think if there's an excuse to get rid of him, they're going to. And I think that – I think Tom's got a great idea that they do like Kellen Moore. And if they can make him an interim coach for half a season and see if that's what they want to do, great. If not, I, I, I can see them making a deal and getting Sean Payton. If, if Kellen Moore gets a shot and does well, is there any chance that they go ahead and stay with Kellen and pass on Sean Payton? Yeah, I mean, they, they get into the playoffs. I mean, if they were, let's say they had through eight games, they were sitting at three and five. And they make, make the move. And then they go six and two over the next, and then win a playoff game. Yeah, why would so you're saying it's not a foregone conclusion that Sean Payton's their head coach next year? No, I think that if anyone has a shot, it is Kellen Moore. But I do think that the overwhelming, uh, if I had to gamble on it, it'd be to me it'd be Sean Payton. Okay, there you uh, have overwhelming odds, if you will. Uh, Bo, uh, real quick, what's uh, coming up on the podcast the uh, next couple of days? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. So this week we talked about uh, the NIL stuff, kind of the guidelines. We've got some we just kind of talked about. We got in depth. Um, we did our review of Winning Time. Winning Time finished up on HBO this past weekend. Uh, that has been my guilty pleasure on television. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I have loved Winning Time. So we jumped in and talked about that. And then we set up some of the stuff we're doing for the next few weeks on NIL. Uh, that's going to be really fun. We're going to get, I mean, Ellen Wingenter, my co-host, is a legal is a, is a lawyer, so she loves the legal stuff. I'm a nerd about stuff, so we're going to be hitting NIL from every direction over the next few weeks. 
And then we've got, uh, we're still in your gimmick for one week and doing a draft in a couple of weeks. We're doing a Star Wars draft, which will be kind of fun. But we've also started a gimmick every two weeks called What If. Uh, last week we did What If Bo Jackson had not gotten hurt and kind of what happens with his career and the leagues and everything else. Our next one is going to be the tuck rule, which we're going to do next week's show on uh, next Friday's show would be what had happened if the tuck rule, if that had been ruled a fumble. And we're going with that because Brady pretty much admitted on man in the arena that, yeah, it was a fumble. So um, we're going to say, hey, what would have happened if Tom, if that's ruled a fumble? And maybe the Raiders win that game. Yeah. So it, we like to have fun with stuff like that. That'll be coming up. So lots of fun stuff on the Coach Bono's podcast. Looking forward to it, Bo. Uh, we will move on now. And we will keep Bo here as uh, we will bring back a new old segment to the show. Our uh, draft season has officially begun here on the Jones Report. The NFL draft may be over, but... It is at that time of year where we uh, decide to draft random things. And uh, this week we are drafting uh, people named Joe. All of us have five picks. This is going to be a snake draft. And, uh, you know, in case you don't know what a snake draft is, basically we will all pick and then whoever picked last gets to pick first in the next round. And it just continues to cycle through. And then when it's all said and done, we'll ask you on Twitter to vote uh, who had the best Joe lineup when it was all said and done. And for our draft series each week, Bo's going to join us. Uh, so we have three options, uh, three different teams. In the past, it's just me, been me and Thomas. Uh, but now we'll have a, a little diversity, uh, another, a third option of sorts, and uh, go a little deeper in this draft. So nonetheless, that is the rules, how this will go. And this week, we are drafting people named Joe. Uh, in any walk of life, uh, we are going to find the best uh, folks ever with the name Joe. And there is a lot of candidates to choose from. Uh, guys, uh, any thoughts before we uh, get this started? I have one question. Okay. This has to be a person, a living person? No. No, it doesn't. Okay. So a character? Yeah, it could be a character. Just anyone named Joe. Could it be an entity named Joe? Sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Asking questions. I got to make sure I'm within the rules here. I'll play the game as long as I know the rules. All right. Uh, we're going to put those NIL rules on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom, you uh, get to get us started with the very first pick of the Joe draft. And uh, so the uh, honor is all yours. Uh, who is uh, going to be the first pick as uh, you are now on the clock? Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to uh, go with Joe Exotic. Um, the way the Tiger King took took the world by storm. Um, you know, he's one of my favorite Joes. <laughs> Joe Exotic, the very first Joe off the board. Uh, you know, I, I like Joe Exotic. Uh, yeah. You know, Tom has had some communications with Joe Exotic before, right? I have. I did. I messaged him in prison, and then oh, wow. um, he responded, and we had a very brief correspondence. And then he got moved prisons, and the I guess the messaging system was shut down. Um, I think partially due to him moving prisons, and also partially because I think people were just messaging the hell out of him. 
Mm. Okay. So, uh, Joe Exotic, uh, Tom uh, in Oklahoma uh, goes with the uh, Oklahoma Pride and uh, Joe Exotic, the face of Oklahoma at one point in time, uh, is the number one pick. Uh, my number one pick, uh, you know, my guy uh, I got to go with here is uh, Joseph Stalin is uh, my pick. And, you know, when I look at a guy like Joseph Stalin, this is somebody that was a great leader. He just had bad intentions. And I hope I don't get canceled for that. But, you know, to me, this one was – it was an easy choice. This was an obvious pick. I got to go with uh, Joseph Stalin with this pick. Uh, Bo, what do you think of my pick there? Um, I, I just can't believe anybody would pick Stalin. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just awful, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're going to take him in late rounds. So if, if I was going to do my best Mel Kuyper here, I would just be like, what are you doing? It's the first round. <laughs> that was a reach. That was a reach, very much so. You could have got him in the fifth round. <laughs> All right, Bo, you can pick back to back. Look, so we got, you know, Tom took an Oklahoma guy, you know, Joe Exotic. He took a, uh, you know, we took a communist dictator. Um, <laughs> I, on the other hand, I'm going to go with an NFL quarterback. We know who I can't pass. I can't pass with Joe Burrow. So we, if you've been on this, you know, as many times as I've been here, you know who my favorite Joe is. It's Joe Burrow. Okay, so Joe Burrow off the board. What an interesting trifecta to start out. Joe Exotic, yeah. Joseph Stalin, and Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. So. Three very different people, might I add. Bo, uh -huh. you're back on the clock. Second okay, round. So, all right, so second round here. I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go quarterback again. I'm, I'm, and this might be a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to go Joe Namath. And I'm taking Namath because I got Burrow. And if I get to hang out with Burrow, you got to have Joe Namath. I mean – Talk about hanging out. I mean, you know, Namath's going to pull some girls. So <laughs> give me give me Joe Namath as my second pick. Okay. Uh, so, so far you've stuck to sports, in particular uh, football quarterbacks. With, that might uh, change. Players. I'm just saying I, I got to get my guys in here. You know, um, I'm going to go my uh, my second pick. I'm going to go with Joe Rogan. Uh, I feel like I have I some, you would. <laughs> there's some versatility with Joe Rogan. I mean, you're talking about a guy that can – uh, do MMA, he can act, he can do comedy, uh, he can talk about vaccines, um, you know, a little bit of everything. Uh, I think this is a, uh, a five to a player you're getting with this pick. You know, I, I got to go uh, Joe Rogan. I think he's he, he, good value here. I think he'd be a great tag team partner with Stalin. <laughs> well, they're on the same team now. <laughs> there you go. All right, Tom, you get big back to back. Jones, I didn't. Uh, you you caught me there. I was gonna take Joe Rogan. That was gonna be mine. My next one. I thought, well, I was gonna try to grab him, but um, uh, I guess the next one I would probably take, honestly, uh, probably would be Joe Montana. Um, you know, I'll I'll hop on the quarterback Joe train. Um, you know, pretty famous guy. I guess if I had to turn around and pick again for the next round. Uh, and I think Bo might appreciate this one. I'm taking smoking Joe Frazier. High on my big board. Very high on the big board for Joe Frazier. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe Frazier. Very good pick there. Uh, this one, uh, I'm going to go with a guy we mentioned earlier in the show. I'm going to go Joe Bach here. Uh, you know, Joe Bach, he is going to be the voice of our team. And, uh, you know, he might – I might have the most unlikable team of the three. You know, I, I think 
this team has is definitely got more haters than everybody else, but certainly going to be interesting. Uh, no question about that. So I'll go with uh, Joe Buck to uh, hang out with Joe Rogan and Joseph Stalin. All right. Uh, Bo, you got the back-to-back. All right. Uh, Joe Pesci. Why Joe Pesci still on the board? That just befuddles me. You got to have someone with a little bit of attitude. So I'll take Joe Pesci as my next pick. Okay. I like Pesci. And, and um, then I'll tell you – go ahead. Uh, t- t- the uh, Tell me about Pesci here real quick. So the Pesci pick, I mean, you know, this guy was in Goodfellas. He was in Casino, you know. I want that Joe Pesci, you know, the tough guy. I got to have someone with some spunk. You know, this guy, I, I, like, I like Joe Pesci on this team. So got to have a tough guy. So I've got, you know, a couple of guys. I got the best quarterback. I've got, well, I got two quarterbacks. And then I've got to have someone who's tough to protect them. I think Pesci could do the protection for me there. Okay. Uh, you got another pick here. All right. Then I'm going to go off the board. This would never would have been taken, but I'm going to take him. How about Fat Joe? Ooh. Nice. It's if you know anything about Fat Joe, this dude can tell stories. This guy's funny. Yeah, I love his music. Fat Joe. Okay. Fat Joe's a, uh, a, a good choice. I like that. A little off the wall there. Uh, let's see. Now uh, now I'm back on the clock, right? Um, you Are you know looking what? for a dictator? <laughs> There's no more dictators available. Joseph um, McCarthy is available if you'd like him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Go, go off. Yeah, they probably wouldn't get along too well. <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, that's funny. Uh, you know, I am uh, with this pick. Let's, uh, let's go with uh, the elite quarterback himself. I'm going to go with Joe Flacco. <laughs> Super, he won that's, a Super the, that's a worse pick than Joseph Stalin. Do you not know anybody named Joe? I mean, do you not Google anything? <laughs> he won a Super Bowl. He he he's, he was a lead quarterback. Doug Williams won a Super Bowl too. Okay. <laughs> Tom, you're on the clock. Back to back. I guess this is my last. This would be my last two. Yep. I will. Uh, I will go with a, a Joe that adds a Y to the end of it, and we'll go Joey Fatone. Ooh. The boy band in sync. Um, can't beat that one. Um, classic. That's a, that's got to be a fan favorite. And for my, I guess this would be my final pick. There's a, see, there's a lot of you know. I, I'm kind of across the board here. Um, hmm. Let's see. I had one lined up, and then I saw Joy Fatone. I thought, well, that's pretty solid. Okay. I know I'm running down the clock here, but I had a good one lined up and I just got to find him again. Um, you know what? For, for the, there, there's one obvious one, but no one's going to take him. I'm not going to. Um, and I'll just go with Joe Jonas. Joe Jonas. Okay. Uh, tell me about Joe Jonas. You know, Jonas Brothers, you want to go for the fan favorites. I'm I'm playing the back end strategy of of you know who people might vote for. Um is is the best Joe draft, you know. You got Joe Exotic, that's a you know, kind of a classic. Um, you know, some people hate him, but uh, you know, that popular side of things. You you got Joe Montana, 
overall pretty solid. You got Joey Fatone, Joe Jonas, uh, and you got Smoking Joe Frazier. So I'm kind of across the board. I got, you know, older boy band, newer boy band. You know, I got a, a great a classic boxer, uh, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and then I got a straight uh, Tiger King criminal. Uh, I, I feel like I've covered all my bases. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's Joe Jonas off the board. You went music those last two picks with Joey Fatone and uh, Joe Jonas. My uh, my last pick, I'm going to go with uh, a guy, a, a do-it-all guy. Uh, he, he's been successful in everything he's done. He's an inspiring individual. And I think that he could add some good morale to our team, uh, especially – you know, to help out uh, Joseph Stalin. I'm going to go with a Joe Gibbs with my pick, the uh, Hall of Fame football coach and NASCAR owner. So you could have got you could have gotten Stalin in the fifth round. <laughs> <laughs> Bo, your final pick. Okay, so look, um, Tom took smoking Joe Frazier, who I did have on my short list here, but I was a Another boxer that I might have taken ahead, which would have been Joe Lewis. Uh, didn't go there. I'm not going to go there. There's, of course, Joe Biden, our current president. I mean, it could be a decent. I mean, he is the president of the United States. But I'm going to pass on Joe Biden. Um, music, Joe Walsh, the Eagles, you know, another solid pick. Mean Joe Green. No one picked Mean Joe Green. This one's for you, Jonesy. How about Joe Mama? Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you who I'm going to take. I'm going to take Joe's KC Barbecue as my fifth and final Joe. Joe's KC Barbecue. Ooh, okay. Um, you know what? For for all for, let's go ahead and and make this interesting because I thought of one more name at the last minute that I want to pick. So let's see. Take one more. Okay. So we're at an even number. Joe, Bo, go ahead and pick one more. I get one more here. Um, okay, I'm going to go baseball on this one. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Okay. Um, here was the one more I was thinking of. I'm glad he was still around. Uh, I'm going to go with Judge Joe Brown. He was on my list. <laughs> he was at the bottom. I like missing Judge Joe Brown. All right, Tom, one more pick. You know, um, for, I guess, the sake of not going, uh, you know what? I, I'm a music guy, almost probably more so than I'm a sports guy. Um, and there's a couple more. I, I could go, you know, I, I like the Fat Joe pick from, from Bo. I could go Joe Budden, but I'm not going to go Joe Budden. I'm going to go stay. I'm going to stick with the classic you mentioned. I'm going, going with Joe Walsh. That's a good pick. Okay. So to recap uh, the draft at, uh, Team Tom is Joe Exotic, Joe Montana, Joe Frazier, Joey Fatone, Joe Jonas, Joe Walsh. Team Jones is Joseph Stalin, Joe Rogan, Joe Buck, Joe Flacco, Joe Gibbs, and Judge Joe Brown. And Bo's team is Joe Burrow, Joe Namath, Joe Pesci, Fat Joe, Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, and Joe Jackson. So, um, Bo, uh, what do you think of the three uh, Joe teams? Well, do I have to break them each down? I like Tom's team. I don't like the Joey Fatone pick myself, but um, you know he's, he went music heavy. Nothing wrong with that. That's good for Tom. That works out. It fits him. 
you got some kind of communist dictatorship going on over there. If, if you could break off into your own, you know, like former Soviet Republic, you're set, Jonesy. I got, my jo- I got my judge. I got my leader. I got my talk show host. Uh, I mean, I- you were you set for some misinformation out there. I, I mean, you thought the Trump administration is just di- different. I mean, it's. it's I, really I was really waiting for Jones to pick Joseph Smith. You know, I was thinking about that. The guys that were undrafted, Joseph Smith, Joe Biden. Um, you know, there was some some guys that, you know, some undrafted free agents out there, some notable yeah. ones. Yeah. If you wanted to keep going sports, you got Joe Thomas, the offensive tackle. Joe Staley. Joe Staley is a good one. Mean Joe. G.I. Joe, the cartoon. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a good one. I didn't even think you know, of that. I had that on my list. Mean Joe Green. I don't know how none of us – If you're a wrestling fan, Samoa Joe was another one that was almost I almost picked. But I went with Casey Joe's Casey Barbecue because where are you going to find better food? Right. Yeah. I think I got you guys smoked on this, to be honest. I think that if people are going to vote, I think I'm going to win this poll hands down. (laughs) (laughs) I like the fat Joe pick. And then I was like, well, I was like, ah. Fat Joe's more popular, I, I would say, than Joe Budden. But I do like Joe Budden. You know, we didn't mention, like, Joe Cocker, you know. That's the, the you know, that would be classic. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, any other Joes Chief that are. Joseph? Um, let's see. Uh, Joe Montagna, Joe. the actor. Joe Montagna. Yeah. Uh, Joe Paterno. Oh, <laughs> how's he not on Jones's team? <laughs> right, I was I was waiting for Jones to go Joe Pa or even Joe Tory. I don't think Joe Tory would have been a good fit. I think Joe Joe Paterno would have been a great fit on Jones's team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Girardi, yeah. um, Joseph Kennedy, JFK's father. Yeah, um, Trader Joe's. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. Joe the Plumber. Trader uh, Joe's would have never fit in your group, though, Tyler. That's a little too hipster for you. <laughs> I can see you guys. I can see your team closing Trader Joe's down. The subversive organization. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Tom, what did you make of the teams? You know, I, I, I didn't see you taking Joe Rogan uh, with your second pick. I was going for the I was going for the dub there. If you had not, uh, if you had not gotten him um, right there, uh, that and the I like the fat Joe pick a lot. I, I didn't even think of him uh, until you said it. I thought, damn! I thought, well, that's, that's a that might be a it might be one that, that fits well with the voters out there. I, another musician, Joe Nichols. I mean, there's there's a there's as many classic music artists named Joe than there is quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Joe DiMaggio didn't get picked either. Right. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if Jones knows who Joe DiMaggio is. Am I might be a little yes, too old I for do. him. I couldn't pick him because he's a Yankee. I just put a loud on my team. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh there you have it uh we'll do this again next week uh if you have any suggestions on what our next draft would be uh this was a lot of fun we'll do it again bo appreciate you joining us we'll uh, talk to you next week man hey, 
Thank you guys. It's a lot of fun. Y'all, y'all take care. Have a good week. Got more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our Big 12 breakdown this week. And if you recall, about in January, I believe it was, there was a report from Dennis Dodd of CBS that the Big 12 was considering going to divisions, two 17 divisions when the conference expands in 2023 and putting Oklahoma and Texas in separate divisions with the idea of once they leave, then the divisions go down to six apiece. And the idea previously, the divisions was the big 12 North would consist of Cincinnati, BYU, Iowa state, Kansas, Kansas state, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma state. And the Big 12 South would consist of Baylor, Houston, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, UCF, and West Virginia. And you have teams like Oklahoma State, for example, who have been playing Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech and those Texas schools every year in the current Big 12. And all of a sudden, uh, their trips to the state of Texas would be very limited. It looked like a very bad proposal for divisions. And... Let, let me say this. I'm not a fan of divisions to begin with. I've always thought that your conference championship games should be like what the Big 12 is now of the two teams with the best record meeting the conference championship. Well, now the NCAA, there is a proposal that could put a pause on the Big 12's idea of going to these divisions here, of maybe not even going to the divisions at all. That there is a proposal to uh, basically uh, give conferences options to determine their best way to have a champion. And essentially what you've had in this uh, prior system was that it was required that you would have uh, a divisions if you were a conference with 12 teams or more and that the division champs would meet in the conference championship game. Otherwise uh, you'd have to play a round Robin schedule and the two teams with the best record in the round Robin schedule, then meet in the conference championship game. Now with the sec going to 16 teams, the ACC at 14, the big 10 at 14, the big 12 about to go to 14 for a minute, then go back down to 12 and such. Um, is that really the best way to determine a champion? Absolutely not. I didn't think it was the best way before with divisions. I mean, you go back, you don't have to go back that far even to the old Big 12 days of the Big 12 North and the Big 12 South. And think about all those lopsided title games we saw for quite some time. You know, uh, people think of Oklahoma taking on teams like Colorado that won eight games. Uh, or you know these Kansas State teams and such that weren't as good as maybe the third or fourth best team in the Big 12 South some years. It was so lopsided. Uh, case in point, you go back to 2005 when Texas won the national championship game, and in the Big 12 title, they played a Colorado team that they beat, what was it, 77-7 to in the Big 12 championship? I mean, it was just nuts. And look at what the Big 12 title games have produced as of late uh, with the top two teams going head-to-head in the conference. When you've had uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor this year came down to an inch to determining the champion. 
Uh, you know, Oklahoma, Iowa State, the year before that was a great game. Oklahoma, Texas was a great game. Um, so to me, it, it, it's just made no sense that we've determined the conference champion based on that whole idea of putting together the uh, conference championship game based on divisions. It's just been a dumb rule to begin with. I mean, you look at the SEC, for example. You know, this year, the SEC had their top two teams in Alabama and Georgia. And Alabama, it helped them get into the playoff, and Georgia still got in. It did not hurt Georgia. Georgia did fall from the one to the three seed, but obviously that ended up being irrelevant. They got in the playoff anyway, and it got Alabama in as well. You know, um, if Alabama doesn't get to play in the SEC title game, and, you know, redeem themselves from that loss earlier this year, they may have not made the playoff. Who knows? So uh, it, it just makes sense to have this move. No divisions. You don't need the divisions. Play the best two teams. And in the SEC's case, with going to 16 teams, they're talking about this whole pod system potentially of having, you know, four, four team pods and – you know, if you could do pods, obviously you can't do divisions. Maybe you could even have your own playoff within the championship series. Before you go to the big playoff, maybe you have your own conference playoff or something uh, to get to the championship game. I mean, there's all sorts of ideas out there. But thank goodness we are not being beholden to uh, divisions because they never made sense. It was a bad idea to begin with. Um, this is not the NFL where – uh, you know, if you're, if you don't win your division, there's a wild card spot or something, you know, like that. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. The, uh, system, you know, there's a lot of flaws in college football. I think that's one of the things that actually makes college football so unique is the imperfect system and the controversy it is every year. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should just settle for things being imperfect, that you should try to make them better. And I think that this would certainly make things better, especially when you see how bad the Big 12 division setup was of what they came up with. If the NCAA can actually kind of save them from making their own mistake, I'm all for it. I like the idea of uh, no divisions uh, as far as I'm concerned. There. But anyways, uh, also in the uh, Big 12 front this week, uh, Brent Venables, the uh, new head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, uh, talked about the change of scenery when he arrived in Norman back in December. Um, and one of the things that he said was that he saw too much casualness when he arrived in Oklahoma. He was on the caravan tour that the OU coaches go on. He was there with uh, Porter Moser and and Joe Castiglione, the women's basketball coach, and uh, and uh, Toby Rowland company making their stops all along the OU fans. You know, they were uh, in Tulsa one night. I believe this was in Amarillo that he made these comments. And uh, this was in regards to preparation for that bowl game against Oregon. Says, I saw too much casualness, if you will, too much nonchalant when I came in December to prepare for the bowl game. And uh, Bob Stoops, of course, was the interim head coach at that time. Um, he said, we lost two heartbreakers, one-score games, could have gone either way. Uh, coach decides he doesn't want to be here. Okay, good. Now, what do you want to do? 
We don't need a program in disarray. Y'all love this university. You all care for one another. You got a bunch of assistants to decide to go ahead and stay here and to put it all in. You got a Hall of Fame coach willing to put his neck out on the line, make some sacrifice, and come back here and lead y'all. So you get a chance right now to make a statement in college football. And the Sooners just did that with a 47-32 to win, leading by 31 uh, at halftime against Oregon there. So, um, you know, I get that. And I, I it doesn't surprise me to hear those comments from Brent Venables when we hear how things are run by – uh, Lincoln Riley of, you know, the, the lack of physicality, how things had become, uh, you know, very much like, you know, a, a, a yoga studio in the strength and conditioning program. And, you know, compared to what Brent wants to do now with, uh, you know, the, the emphasis on physicality. Now, there is one thing I will say. Um, when you talk about intensity, no one is more intense than Brent Venables. Uh, Brent Venables, there is a uh, something about him. That guy gets fired up all the time. I mean, they literally, when he was at Clemson, had to have a pullback guy. Somebody stand behind him just to keep him off the field so they want to get uh, a sideline penalty. Um, so, you know, anything less than Brent Venables is going to be less intense anyway. So, you know, there, there is a, a middle ground of some sorts. I see where he's coming from. But Brent's intensity is so much higher than everyone else's that, uh, you know, there's it may not have been as bad as he's letting on, but I get the idea. And I think that's what Oklahoma fans want to hear is you head to the SEC uh, and, and get ready for that change of play. What's about to change for Oklahoma here, they're going to have to get tougher. And I, I think they got the right guy for that. In that sense. So uh, very interesting comments there from uh, Brent Venables, the uh, new head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners on that front. Our final segment this week before we wrap up today's show is our Tom Fullery story of the week where we go somewhere in the world and tell you about something ridiculous happening. And uh, this time we shall head to Brazil. Here's how this story goes. This is uh, from outkick.com. Brazilian soccer star Marcelo. Uh, yes, that's his name. I guess he doesn't have a last name or something. Going with that uh, Beyonce-type vibe or something. Uh, Marcelo farted his way out of the big leagues. After being demoted from Lions' top squad last August, Marcelo's contract was determinated in January for inappropriate behavior. His release promoted plenty of questions that, for a while, went unsettled. Those inquiries were answered Tuesday when sources told ESPN that Marcelo's stinky career path was a result of continuous farting and laughing. Apparently, Marcelo was cut up and cutting the cheese in front of Lion manager Peter Bowes and sporting director, er, director uh, Jahano, neither of whom appreciated the sounds and smells. Upon laughing out, presumably both ends, the 34-year-old Marcelo was expelled from Lions Top Club shortly after a 3-0 loss at, at the hands of the uh, Angers. Uh, more from this story. Marcelo, who once played at, for Lion 2, appeared in 11 games, scoring three goals. His contract was terminated earlier this year, and within two days of termination, he signed with Bordeaux seemingly the perfect fit 
The club stinks. They are currently at the bottom of the League One table and are just seven points from safety. At the time, Bordeaux likely sought out Marcelo to light a fire under the underperforming club. Not a bad idea, so long as no one's putting a flame underneath Marcelo. So, uh, how about that? Uh, this guy gets the boot for farting and laughing. Um, you know, I wonder how it got to this point. You know, if, if you got the BS meter on here, uh, I'm putting the BS meter pretty high. I mean, there had to be more to this story than this guy just having an issue with passing gas and laughing. You know, I, I want guys laughing, having a good time in my locker room. You know, that's a good locker room vibe. Um, to me, that one doesn't quite add up. You would think you'd want people that want to be there and have fun and such. The farting thing. Now, listen, I am not a fan of farting in public. Uh, I'm of the belief that you need to hold it in, you know, squeeze your cheeks together, get rid of that fart, um, or just go to the bathroom. You know, what, what, what does it mean when you have to fart? That's that's poop waiting to come out. Go to the bathroom. Go take a dump. And, and don't be afraid to use a public restroom. I know that there are some folks out there that will not touch a public restroom, uh, will not take a dump in a public restroom. Um, I can tell you this much. It's, it's your ass that's getting dirty when you take a dump in a public restroom, okay? You know, I mean, like, go shower when you get home, change, whatever it is. You're going fi- you're gonna to be fine. You will live uh, taking a dump in a public restroom. That is not going to be the end of the world for you. So uh, with that being said, this guy did not need to get to this point. I do not believe this was the real reason that he got cut. This has got to be a story that's covering up for the real story here. There's no chance this is legit. Um, with that being said, though, it's highly entertaining. Uh, I'm glad that he found another job, that he wasn't out of work too long, um, that he found somewhere to go. And, you know, we mentioned alternatives for this guy. You know, one thing you could do, you can take a dryer sheet and you can put it up, you know, in your, 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 uh, your underwear or something. And if you fart, then that's going to help with the smell and such. You know, you, you got some coverage of some sorts, you know, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, there's some preventable things. If this guy's got a real problem and such, um, then there, there's ways to work around that, you know, and, and then, you know, th- this sounds like a medical issue, you know, if he's got this continuous farting thing going on, um, if it were in this country, this guy could probably sue, you know, I mean, in America, this guy probably could sue and you know claim that it was health reasons and such and make a whole lot of money here. I don't know how the laws work in Brazil when it comes to uh, a situation like this and and uh, you know one's personal health matters and such, but uh, that to me, I, there's no way you could get away with that in the states. Um, you know, firing somebody for passing gas and such. Um, you know, that one wouldn't hold up in court one bit, you know, you'd, you'd pay the price big time. So that to me is, uh, a fascinating story. I'm glad the guy landed on his feet, but folks, uh, please, it, it didn't have to get to this point. Um, hold your chicks together. Don't let that fart out. You know, you fart at home, whatever, you know, have some decency around folks, you know, go to the bathroom and, you know, take care of your business there. You don't need to be doing it out in public, you know? I'm a, I'm a pretty casual guy. 
You know, I mean, what you see is what you get with me. You know, I'm the same person everywhere I go. Um, but one person that I am not in public compared to maybe at home, uh, I'm not passing gas everywhere. You know, I'm not just, you know, just farting up a storm and trying to be stinky and such and be rude to others around me, you know, uh, step out for a bit, you know, be courteous, go use the bathroom. Don't be afraid to use that public restroom. You'll live. You'll be fine. I mean, let's face it. So there you have it. That's our town full race story of the week this week on the Jones report. Uh, we got to go big. Thanks to coach Bo for joining us for stopping by, uh, for the uh, football fix also for uh, kicking off draft season here on the uh, Jones report next week, we'll do another draft and, uh, I'm sure it will be entertaining as well. Big thanks to uh, TJ Eckert, uh, of KTU well, Tulsa channel eight for stopping by as well. He's going to be all over the PGA championship. Uh, you want to make sure and, and, uh, follow him and all the great work that he's going to be doing. I'm looking forward to being out there too, here in a couple of days. That's going to be terrific, uh, to see that in my hometown to be at Southern Hills and such. This is the biggest event we've had in a long time. And uh, it's going to be a big deal. So looking forward to that. Thomas Bridges as well for hanging out with us. Um, and uh, you, the listener, as well. We will uh, see you right back here next week. Uh, as always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, you can also find us on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Tyler Jones Live. Tom's at Thomas underscore Bridges. And, uh, you can find TJ Eckert at uh, TJ Eckert KTUL. Uh, also, uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, and uh, Instagram, Jones underscore report, Instant Thomas, and, uh, jo- and uh, Tyler Jones Live. You can find us. So that is all the uh, social media handles. We will go. We will see you all next week. Have a great one. I'm Tyler Jones for our entire crew. Thanks so long. Thanks for joining us.